Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. Sam Kane here. Joining me for my Celtics therapy session, frequent guest, was on the pod last week. Cousin Alex is back. Alex, how you holding up? Hey, Sam. Fuck the Celtics, right? Yes. Oh, my God. So we're recording this Wednesday, May 10th. The Celtics are down 3-2. to two. In the series against the Sixers. An inferior Sixers? Yeah, with a hobbled. Is he hobbled, though? Because he looked pretty good last night, Embiid. Yeah, I I think there's some legitimacy to the he got shadow banned for punching. Um, who did he punch in Nick that Nick Claxton. Yeah, Nick Claxton. I think he got a little bit shadow banned because I don't see any... Any knee injury. What was he supposed to be out for six weeks? That's a six-week injury? And he missed, what, like 10 days? Yeah, it was a week and a half, maybe. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that on the last part. I didn't didn't hear about that conspiracy theory, but that would make sense. I think I saw a deep on Reddit somewhere. It's probably, it's ridiculous, but it's a good conspiracy. And I don't know, it could be legitimate. You never know with adam silver he's a he's an yeah like they weren't gonna they weren't gonna suspend Jokic. he just pushed the team owner the other night it's hard to know what's going on in that shiny bald head sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah he is a player a a pro player commissioner that's for sure (laughs) yeah yeah very very pro player (laughs) A little different Very than David player. Stern, I'd say. No, I would love to see the modern game with David Stern. That, oh man, it would be incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some take like with John ja Morant, probably would have been like, yep, <laughs> banned for the season. Yeah, he he actually probably would have been suspended for the season, wasn't? Because it, it was like similar with AI, right? A lot of similarities to kind of what was going on with AI. And Stern was totally up his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's just been it's been rough. I, I don't even really desire to watch the other games. Although, I don't know. It, the, 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 the Lakers-Warriors series is interesting. I thought the Warriors were going to win this series. But uh, then Lonnie Walker happened. I couldn't yeah, believe that. that. <laughs> Super classic Lakers. Just to catch that lucky break to get him on his once in a million night. <laughs> when they needed it most. I I think the Lakers are probably going to win the title. The more I watch them, I don't see... If AD is playing well, it really... I can't imagine anyone beating them, to be honest. He matches up well with all the teams with good centers. So... Not really sure there's a path for anyone else if they're at full strength. I have to give a shout-out to Chris Mannix, who I usually am pretty annoyed by. But before the postseason began, he wrote an article that said he thought the Lakers were going to win the title, which seemed completely outrageous. Actually, This was before the play-in tournament as well. Yeah, because they not only had to play in the play-in, but they almost missed the play-in. They almost missed the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's they almost just true. didn't even get in. 
yeah, it's wild how how well they've they've played since then. I mean, I, maybe that they did get a lot of good pieces at the deadline, but for it all, yeah, the, they had a good trade deadline. Yeah, for for it all to come together right now, though, wow, lucky, very lucky, very lucky. It's a lot like what happened to them a couple of years ago, kind of. They just all kind of just clicked at the end. And it's like, oh, wow, they're actually just the best team. The Bubble Lakers? Yeah, the the Bubble Lakers. That was such... When KCP, went, KCP turned into an unbelievable two-way player, they had Caruso, yeah. right? Yeah, Danny Green. They had a ja- really JaVale. tough defensive team. Yeah. JaVale. Dion Waiters, a Morris brother. Dion Waiters was on that team? <laughs> yeah. J.R. Smith? Was? Yeah, he was. <laughs> they signed him at the, I think it was, I can't remember if it was prior to COVID or, I think, actually, I think it was right before COVID they signed him. And because he was on the heat, uh, there was some. There was a lot going on there. I remember he he took edibles on a plane one time. I don't think. Oh it, yeah. I don't think it was that season. It might have been the season before. That seems so long ago. I know. The the Dion Waiters James Johnson Heat. Oh my! I, I can't believe Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith showed up to the bubble. I know, and they were there the whole time. Well, allegedly. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe they snuck out. out. Three months? They, they could have snuck yeah. out, but it wasn't reported. Who knows? Might have pulled a yeah, little will. They pulled a Jimmy Butler, Rachel Nichols. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> she was up Butler's ass during the Timberwolves fiasco. Yeah, that was weird. She was like, I, I'm just pro-Jimmy. What he's doing is great. He's not showing up to practice. <laughs> yeah, and when he bullied the entire team at that one practice where he beat the starters with the scrubs and was screaming at all of them. And then he just immediately left the court and did his like kind of like locker room interview. Yeah, that with, was such a weird with time. With her, yeah. Yeah, it was with her. That was su- that was such a weird time. It's bizarre. Although maybe Jimmy was right, considering how soft Towns is. But Jesus, yeah, Towns is is a bum. Not... They need to make some changes on the T Wolves. They... You can't have Rudy and Towns just directly in the way of Anthony Edwards. Like, come on. One of them has to get moved. But who's it gonna? You're not gonna trade. Rudy for you know, ten cents on the dollar, and I don't think he's tradable. No one wants that contract, right? Can't imagine any team would be thrilled to get him. I'm pretty sure he has three years left on that deal. Whew, and that's it, tough. I, they would have just been better off keeping what was it, Walker Kessler, right? Yeah, and um, all those picks, Walker Kessler, all rookie team, first team. I think he was Man. voted, I think he was top three in Rookie of the Year. Wow. What, what a mistake. What a mistake. And they gave up Vanderbilt, who's decent. Um, 
Malik beat. Yeah, he's been pretty good for the Lakers. Yeah, he's a solid rotation player. I, well, he starts, but he just plays defense and rebounds. Not bad. We could use a guy who rebounds like him. Yeah, it would have been nice to get a guy like him at the deadline or just some kind of veteran. Like I know we're going to transition to talking about the Celtics, but the Lakers have all those guys that are just like they they either bring energy or they bring like a veteran presence or they're like too young and stupid to really know. And the Celtics don't have like any of that somehow. We just have the total middle of the road, low energy, like good players. Well, they're great players. This is a like really talented team, but the energy levels across the board are way too parallel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's it's kind of there's not anyone that will kind of get on the team to wake the. I guess it's Marcus Smart. He's the closest that will rile them up a little bit. But, but it doesn't seem like he's doing that this like at least this playoff run at all. Like he did No. He brings the energy on the court, but his play is kind of, you know, taking a step back especially on the defensive end. And it's, and his his crazy ener- manic energy levels have just kind of dissipated a little bit it's, and that's just a bad mix with the guys we have. There's really like no like spark plug on this team to kind of either wake everyone up or get the crowd going even. There's, like, really none of that. It's very bizarre. Well, ideally, I guess we thought it was going to be Malcolm Brogdon, which he did during the season, scoring-wise. He looks off, though. Uh, Not just in the past two games. I know game two and three he played pretty well. Yeah, he was lights out from three. Yeah, but I was just... I, I've just been noticing some shots that he usually hits that just haven't been going in. I mean, maybe it's the fact that the intensity's been, you know, upped. Yeah, in especially the in the paint. Yeah, maybe he is. Yeah, it's the intensity being raised a level, I think, has negatively impacted them because they're so used to just kind of coasting on talent. Mm-hmm. And when it turns into a dogfight, especially in close games, they they just don't really have... Like, what struck out to me was, I don't know if you remember this specific play, but we were down seven, and there's a loose ball. I think Smart pokes the ball free from Harden, and there's just a, or I forget if, I think it was Harden, and there was just a scrum at, like, half court. Like, Smart, whoever it was on the Sixers and Tatum were just sprinting to the ball, and the Sixers guy and Smart dove for it, and Tatum had a chance to kind of clean it up at the end. Like, the ball kind of, like, squirted out a little bit, but he didn't get on the floor for it. He was the only guy to not get on the floor for it. Turns into a jump ball. We lose the jump ball. Harden hits an immediate three. We're down 10. And that just completely changed the trajectory of the game. And it's just like little energy moments like that where it's if Tatum just had that dog in him a little bit more, not a little bit more, a lot more, to be honest. He's way too passive out there. That could have changed the game. You know, he could have grab that ball we could have had it maybe even gotten to three cut it to four maybe we'll get the crowd involved a little bit it's just like little things like that that just change everything yeah it seems like the only people he gets mad at is the refs like get mm-hmm. get mad at the players get mad at yourself or i don't know get mad at the other team yeah and your team get mad at everyone just yell at everyone who cares if you yell at smart yeah we'd respect you more just stop barking at the refs 
tired of it. Yeah, it's all ref. It's all like hand up in the air, like his little like like spin, like waving the arms, running, like jogging back. Oh, it's just he's really been tough to watch this playoffs. It's been de- definitely disheartening. And like as we know, Jalen just got what was it third team All NBA? The news just broke. I think it's second actually. Second team All NBA? Does that change like anything? No, it's just the same like contract no matter what. I think it's the same. So they're both eligible. So Jason was first team, um, but they're both eligible for max extensions. So that does help us out. But at the same time. Yeah, I think it it clarifies. Like it really does settle a lot because it's like we're going to offer Jalen that super max. We're going to ride the Tatum and Brown thing. And now it's just a matter of finding the right pieces around them. Right. Because as much as I dislike their attitude in games, Brown's a little bit better than Tatum with the energy and getting the crowd involved and kind of just like riding the wave of emotions a little more. But they kind of need a different cast of characters around them that aren't so aligned with their energy levels and maybe a little more like spark plug, like dogish. Set. But it's good to, like, we get that clarity now that, like, we have them long-term, you know? Now it's just a matter of building around them instead of that hanging over our head all year of, are we going to trade Brown? Are we going to lose him? Is he going to sign for the same money here as he would for someone else? Is he going to follow Ime to the Rockets? Ugh. Go home to Atlanta? You know, like, it's there is a lot of questions there, and now it seems like we're just going to offer him the Supermax, and that's kind of over, which is good. See... I don't know. I, I part of me's a little worried given how these playoffs have gone. Especially, oh, interesting. Especially So you wouldn't No, no. I I mean I know the Celtics are gonna offer it to him. I'm more yeah. worried about Jalen. Is he gonna say Oh, I've watched you guys. You think cater, he would turn that down? Or uh, well I don't I don't if he's traded like this off season, I wonder if he's still eligible for the same type of contract. Maybe not for the same amount of money. Oh but I don't know. I see what you're saying though. It's like I don't wanna even though I'm getting paid that much, I don't really want to be treated like second fiddle. Yeah. Even though Tatum really hasn't like grabbed the anything by the horns yet. Like he gets the stats, he gets the accolades and everything, but he's never really like had that signature playoff moment kind of last year game six bucks right that was like his his like pinnacle mm-hmm. but when it comes to like a moment moment his real like would what would you say I want, i'm curious to know what you would think what would his like play moment be like if you were to think of like his like biggest moment in the playoffs in his celtics tenure tatum oh tatum mm-hmm. uh I always think of that uh, game-winning shot against the Nets. That that one stands out. Oh, uh, that's lot. a good one. I, I was gonna say rookie year, the dunk on LeBron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, like since then, and Brown's kind of the same way. It's like, what what's your favorite Brown moment in the playoffs? Can you even no, think of one? I can't. Yeah, <laughs> there's not. That's the thing. We've how long has he been on the Celtics now? Like since 2016. Yeah, so this is his eighth season. Yeah, or seventh season. Se- yeah, either I think way, seventh. Yeah. Either way, like 
I don't know. I I get I don't know if you'll turn down the extra what hundred million dollars. Is it a hundred? Well, if it's it, got to be if it's a hundred, he's right? not turning it down. <laughs> So maybe well, because what was what was it like? Max was like one ninety five, and then Super Max was like two eighty five, right? Am I am I just totally wrong on that? I don't know. It's I know just... it's a, it's either way, it's a significant difference, and I, I don't know if he can turn that down, especially in a situation where it's like he's not. It's not like Westbrook in L A. on the Lakers. I mean, not. Right, the Clippers. It's, yeah, not like, it's, not, it's not like that where it's, it's like you have to get out of here, you know? Like, even if I have to sacrifice some dough, like, he's happy enough. Right. It's not completely toxic, but it seems like there, there's going to have to be some change this offseason. We're assuming that they're not going to make it out of the second round. You, you mentioned on the last podcast, I was surprised by this, but you you like Joe Missoula? No, did I say that? You did. <laughs> There's no way I said that. Check the tapes. Yeah. I, I actually said that? Maybe maybe you were just saying you liked a decision he made. Man, what decision was that? I can't even... Like, that, that was so long... Like, that was a week ago, but it feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> like our like kind of mindsets like i couldn't be more out on missoula i was just gonna ask you who would you rather like re kind of reconfigure the roster like a heavy reconfiguration or would you rather get a new coach like an older coach but keep like more of the same players so if i'm stevens i would carefully think things through for a week and then fire Missoula. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think I I think he has to go. Like, do you, you don't listen to like Boston radio, right? In New York, I no, I only really listen to Simmons at this. I yeah. used to listen to all the the big B ball podcasts, the like the Low Post, uh, Wind Horse, uh, Dunked On, but I it's it takes up so much time, and then. I realize a, I, I try to watch a movie a day as well. It's like it's all about time management and whatnot. Yeah, it's tough to fit in the radio. I just have it on like at work because it's like pretty convenient. And I like the Zoe and Beetle and I like the Felger and Maz show too. But uh, they had Missoula on today on the midday show. What? The, the answers he gives. Yeah, the, the answers he gives are just not satisfactory. Did you see any of the. Um, the clips or any of the quotes he missoula was asked about you know why they come out to such a slow and fucking terrible start um and he said you know we were intended to come out and start fast and we had the intentions to you know put in a good effort to win this game but Embiid, um like i'm paraphrasing here too like this isn't like word for word now but it's like pretty close he used the Embiid um shot bouncing off the rim going straight in the air and going in and he said that happening in front of their bench sucked the life out of them you know how much time was in, in like was on the clock at that point when that happened how much it was it was 14 seconds into the game what? and he said that's when the team kind of got deflated a little bit what literally first possession of the game Embiid gets that front rim up in the air and in splashes in 
and he said that we played good defense that possession. The effort was there. But after that, him hitting that in front of our bench kind of took the wind out of our sails a little bit. And it was a pretty jaw-dropping answer. <laughs> what is I mean, he that was the first possession about? of the game. It's and then yeah, the the you got to look up the quotes. He the like the thing he tried to hammer home was that they intended to play hard. Like their 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 intentions were good. But it just didn't happen. Oh my god. And then the other day he backtracked on the no timeout thing and said like he defended his decision after the game. And then the next morning he went on the uh, he did a, another press conference and said that it was in hindsight, not the right call. It's like, who is this guy? Like, are we actually out of our fucking minds with this guy? Like he's that's the, the coach of like the most talented team in the league. He's 34 years old. He's three years younger than Al. He is. I, I'm really puzzled how he got the job. I mean, I know it, he, he was, was on the staff you, last year, but, like... Yeah, but huge, huge asterisk next to on the staff last year. He didn't even sit in the front row. He sat in the second row. That's right. I didn't know that until the Gary Washburn piece, or whoever wrote that. I forget who wrote that. Yeah, Sim- but, Simmons so, mentioned that so as well. So in detail... Yeah, he was second row. Wasn't even at the front. Didn't interact with anyone really. He was he was behind Damon Stoudemire, Will Hardy on the pecking order for assistance. So he was third assistant to Ime. And he gets elevated to head coach with no staff. No Will Hardy. No Damon Stoudemire after I think the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Or whenever the college season ended. And I don't know, I think they brought in Steven Silas. Then they gave they offered him the job and uh like the assistant job and he rejected it. I think they offered Frank Vogel the defensive assistant job. I I heard he turned Vogel it turned it down. Apparently, yeah. The uh, why? The, yeah, because those guys are probably like, why would I not be the head coach? Yeah. Why? Like, would, who is why this? Why would like, I have a thirty? I'm gonna I'm gonna be the assistant. To, I'm gonna have Joe Missoula telling me what to do. He's never coach. He's never been a head coach of anything. I think he was a head coach maybe at like some level. But still, he would have been like, what, 28, 29 at that point? He's been on the staff for a few years now. He has. I don't know. It's a it's a pretty big Belichickian flex by Stevens, low-key, and it like Patricia and Judge last year mm-hmm. for the Patriots. It's not really panning out for Stevens. I don't know. what. Why can't we just get good, good, good coaches, Sam? We had Brad Stevens. He should, like, he, what, he should uh, just come back. <laughs> is he lining up to come back? I, I, I don't think like what's going on there. I I heard that he left. He was getting like too stressed out from it. Like the I guess the bubble season really wore him down and whatnot. Wore a lot of us down. Yeah, the the Kemba Walker experience. Right, and then it was that the guys tuning him out, and I'm assuming the the like uh, the owners like knew how great Stevens was and Ainge was screwing things up, signing Tristan Thompson. (laughs) Ainge couldn't have bottle fucked the situation more than he did. Like you actually can't, you, you can't ruin that more than he could have. Like we could have had Terry for cheaper than Kemba. Mm -hmm. We could have kept our entire core, gotten rid of that asshole Kyrie it just, uh, it's just crazy. And then Stevens, like Stevens, getting tuned out by the players was like the scapegoat almost. Remember that? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's. But yeah, you're right. Like it was like it made sense to put him up at the front office because he's too good to let go. And he's made. I think they resigned him like recently before, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he's a good G. What was he like eighth? Like no, I mean like fourth on the executive of the year list. Like he, he was pretty high up there. Yeah, all his signings have been really good, as well as his trades. So you can't criticize him for that. It's really just the the coaching move. He, he, yeah, it's the organizational, like situational basketball. They either blow teams out or they have no organization in tight games, and the other teams can just take advantage of that. None at all. They they choke. The, they... the no timeouts thing was was egregious. I couldn't believe it. I I was so mad. I I really felt like we won that game. That so we're talking about game four. Four. Um, I re, yeah, I really thought they won that game when they were up one. Yeah, a couple one, different times. One hundred five to one hundred with two minutes left. I was like, oh, we got it. We got it. I can't believe it. We came back, and once they once so. Who was it? I think it was Harris who shot an air ball. It lands in P.J. Tucker's hands somehow. And he gets an and one layup. The guy never yeah. the guy never gets layups. So unlucky. And one once once it was tied and we had the last shot, I had no faith. Nope, zero. Absolutely. I've if it's a one score game at the end, I know we're not going to win. If we like either we won't get the stop. We we have the only chance we would have in that situation is to get lucky when we're in the lead and they miss a game winning shot cuz we're not making a shot down one or down two with a shot clock or less remaining. It's just not happening. Have we had it, a game winner this season? I don't think we have. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think there's like you the like I'm sure there are stats where it's like, well, technically this one was a game winner with like 30 seconds on the clock or like 15 seconds on the clock. But it's like that that's not the same as like when, you know, when all the cash is on the table, there's five seconds left and you need a guy who's a dude to go up and hit a shot like we just we've never had that. Like Tatum can hit the shot with 30 seconds left, even with 15 seconds left. He can't hit the shot with less than five seconds left unless it's a layup. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think we've had one, which is very jarring. We've had the opportunity crazier multiple times, and we. What's crazy too is we don't get shots up in those situations. Four of the last five opportunities with less than five seconds to either win or tie the game, we haven't gotten a shot up. And the one shot we got up was the smart one that he front rimmed because he wasn't ready for it because that wasn't the play. Because we don't run plays. We just run like a motion offense to get open threes. But there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Yeah, it's like Missoula's just like, just wing it, guys. Come on, we're smart. We know what we're doing. It's like, no, we've seen this multiple times. The evidence is... Yeah, win it yourselves. I trust the players. It's like, no, you're just afraid to call a timeout because your plays are buns. And we're going to get our cheeks clapped every time at the end of these games because we have absolutely no direction and the team doesn't know what to do it's even more jarring like you cannot call a timeout like i could see like a popovich type who has his team ready pre-game for situations like this where it's like no we know what to do we're not going to call a timeout we're gonna 
trust our infrastructure more than the defense like giving them the chance to get set but we don't have that like there's there's no like it seems like there's no plan there anyway so it's like if we don't have a plan going into that just call a timeout you know and even if you're not gonna run a play you can at least just inbound the ball to the guy you want i don't know and even we we struggle with inbounding in those situations it's just a complete fucking disaster i don't know what tatum was doing in the overtime last play of the game why did he pass it to smart he was he could have tried to shoot it he started to drive to the hole with six seconds left he had the ball with 16 seconds left so he spent a good like 10 ish seconds just kind of posturing and standing there and not going and Derek white took forever to get that screen then he finally gets around he does no chance for a layup it was mistimed anyway if he was going to take that last shot he would have there would have been time on the clock for the Sixers. Like, you, you just got to be better than that. Like, you got to know the spot you want to get to and at what time. And if you know that all hell is going to break loose and, like, you see that your spot isn't going to be able available, then you pass it and move it around, you know? Not, like, he he, he just basically, gave, like, like, in 2K, like, you pass off that ball at the last second to give that guy the turnover and the negative teammate grade. Because you don't want the negative teammate grade, <laughs> he basically just did that. He just he essentially just passed the blame off to Smart in that moment. It's like, nope, I don't want this. I don't want to get blamed for pulling the Grayson Allen and not getting the shot up and Euro stepping when the season's on the line. I'm gonna just give it to Smart, where he'll have less than 0.2 seconds to get a shot up, catch and shoot, and he almost did. That was kind of a crazy athletic play by Smart, and um, it, of course it doesn't work out though because we don't deserve nice things. Yeah. Yeah, even when that happened, I was like, I don't think he got off. That, that, no, that, you could see the red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who would you want as the coach if if Missoula was going to get fired? Who would be like your 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 primary guy? Because I have an interesting answer. Vogel would be interesting. I feel like, but I don't. Vogel was my first like option, and I thought about it a little more. I kind of like Silas for it. Oh, okay. Little Rocket Celtics trade coaches. (laughs) That's right. I don't know too much about him. I I mean, I haven't really watched that many Rockets games, especially this season. But uh, he seems more like a leader of men than like a strategist. I could be like wrong there. But that's just kind of what it seems like. That's why I was a bad fit there because they're just a bunch of young idiots. But some someone like just a presence in the room is like literally all they need. Just someone who will like know when to call timeouts, know like how to do the rotations, maybe get like a system going and just get on their ass. Like that's all they need. Yeah, I don't think Missoula's getting on their ass. I mean, Smart was mic'd Not up. At all. He was in... Um... In the Hawks series, they had him mic'd up, and there was one sequence where they had Smart getting up off the bench, and it's almost like he was telling Missoula he wanted to go into the game, and he's like, we'll take out Brown, we'll take out Brown, no, we'll take out Grant. And it's like, it, it was just odd. It's a mess. That was embarrassing. It was, it was really that Missoula weird. is just a real piece of work. 
So it's just so weird. Like, why are our guys like subbing themselves in? Like, it, and did you did you see the um, Jalen Brown wanted to guard Harden? He wanted to take him full time and game two because game one Harden completely roasted us. So mm-hmm. Brown wanted the assignment. So Brown goes to ask Missoula, and Missoula's response was, "All right, yeah, that's fine. You just got to go ask Smart." So I guess Brown and Smart had to hash out who was going to guard Harden for game two all game. It's, is Smart the coach or is Missoula the coach? Am I, am I miss, did I miss the, the Smart is the head coach announcement? Like, Smart, it's crazy how everything goes through him. Like, he has the ball all game and, like, he's just there. He's there on every play. Like, ah, it's just, it, it's too much. Like, what was good about last year was like it was smart in like lesser doses, right? And he would like pop up when needed. Now it's like we're running the offense through him basically, because he's Missoula's guy. Now I sound like the radio pundits. They're they're just like seeping into my brain, changing the way that I talk. But it's kind of true. I know Simmons mentioned that 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 there's a big problem with, and I I I mean I, this this has been. A tough year as a Marcus Smart fan. I've, I've, I, I used to. He used to be my favorite guy in the Celtics. I don't, I don't even. I don't know where I am with him right now. It's, it's this. this it's very complicated. The stock has gone way down after hearing some things. It sounds like Smart runs the locker room for the most part. Uh, which you, th- yeah, which like, you think it's, would it's be cool. okay, but yeah. When he's the biggest alpha, well, at the same time, he needs to know when. Uh, it, so, like, uh, there was an argument about the the you know the five that should be on the court at the end of the game, and Simmons was saying that Missoula is scared to take Smart out and put him on the bench. And put out like white. Yeah, I believe rocket. that. And if you hear like all the clips and the like quotes, at, like it's that's very that rings very true. Yeah, and I know Smart really backed up Missoula today on the uh, some kind of interview. Or it might have been last night that there was an interview. So, uh, yeah, maybe they just they have a good bond, but. Uh, you know, it's Missoula. Yeah, and Brown and Brogdon it's, have been critical of Missoula. Yeah, it's Missoula who needs to keep them in line and make the decisions. Where it seems like it's he's afraid of pissing Smart off. Yeah, he's not really a coach. He's like a babysitter. <laughs> and he's not a very good one. The kids the kids have already snuck out. They're drinking in the neighborhood. They're throwing up in the yard. <laughs> they're they're doing whatever they want to do. They're smoking weed. They're smoking pot. Yeah, they're not staying off the weed. Yeah. They're just running wild. And he has no he has no control. Like and it's very obvious he has no control. They he kind of just coaches like they can just do their thing on the court like they're playing pickup. And, it, like, when we're blowing teams out, it looks great because they're, like, meshing because they've all played together for a long time now. But when we need direction, there is none. And Missoula doesn't – the during the broadcast in the game, they said that 
Horford was coaching the team on like what to do on defense and Missoula was just like off to the side like not even <laughs> it's like what is he getting paid for exactly like oh, what, god uh, um, what it's just crazy how he elevated that position it's almost like does he have did he like bring the dirt on Ime to them and like they're all like tied into some weird like conspiracy like some weird like perverted like inner circle of like weird stuff and like Missoula has pictures of like Wick and Brad and like <laughs> yeah like the it's really like the only thing that makes sense he has like he has them over the over a barrel like him and Smart were just like taking pics in like the dark while they're all doing their stuff with Ime and who knows like uh, that's pretty dark I guess don't mean to make light of that situation but it's like an, like it, it's really the only explanation. Like there's, I don't know what else. Like it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's like an '80s conspiracy thriller released by Canon Pictures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> Charles Bronson is the like the the Brad Stevens who's like kind of stuck in the middle, but like has to handle it. You know, it's yeah, it's, written it's by wild, Larry but... Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, who's the? I'm trying to think of the guy from. Um, oh, why can't I think of his name? The guy who pl- in Ten to Midnight, the guy who played um, that serial killer, the naked serial killer. Ten to Midnight. Remember that guy? Why do I feel like I? I, uh, that, I think that's one you told me to watch. I feel like I watched it. Why, yeah, why he's like the he's the he's the naked serial killer. Like he goes around killing oh girls. Oh my god, that. That guy was so creepy. Yes. Yeah, that's that's Ime Udoka. Just or no, who who? That, that, I think that would be Joe Mazzula, but it would make more sense to be Ime Udoka. I don't know, but either way, that's that's kind of what's going on here at this point because there's nothing else makes sense. He's not qualified. He's not qualified to coach a the intramural basketball league at this. Like if you, like it's just crazy. Well, Sim in the juxtaposition of like. Doc Rivers on the other side, out coaching us. Well, yeah, he's it's like I'm in a Twilight Zone episode. He's improvising. He's he put in Daniel House last night, uh, who barely is played in the series, and he gets ten points. Yeah, it worked because we don't have like we we have such a like balanced but n- nothing great line like set of lineups where it's like we don't go small, we don't go big. We kind of just stay in the middle, and it doesn't like it's. It's really easy to defend actually, because we're just trying to shoot threes. So it's like just get guys who can like body them up at th- at the, on the perimeter, and we're all set. Like we don't need anything else. We have a deep bench, and he he took way too long to improvise. Uh, Missoula, he ha- he, he put f- in Pritchard when the game is over, which is basically he, just a slap in the face. He waited too long. He should he should have mm-hmm. done it in the second quarter. If anything, it was kind of clear what direction the game was going in. You have to switch things up. You, I mean, yeah, t- the team needs a injection of energy, just something. Like I don't like Hauser that much. I, I like Pritchard, like, but like just a guy like that who could go in and maybe get the crowd involved a little bit. I know Blake's been DMPs, but even him, he's basically a mascot. But Blake. they chant for "We want Blake," you know, like do do something. Like Muscala, Muscala, like, have him hit some threes. You got, but you got. God have forbid, a plan. But, yeah. 
yeah, God forbid we sit any of like the three guards we have that don't re- like they don't play well together, which is the killer. Like they all would be great if they were like the featured guard, but with each other, they're not that good. Like I like do White, Brogdon and Smart have any on-court chemistry at all? No, where the hell has Derek White been? Because he is—he doesn't ever roll. He like he, he like he's great when you get him involved. It almost would be a blessing if like someone got hurt. I was from just that gonna say rotation. that because during the like season if... there were multiple games where either Brown or Tatum was out, so you had to have that person step up, and a lot of times it was yeah. Derek White. Yeah, he was great when he just gets to bring the ball up and initiate the offense and do the little like handoff pass, sprint in a circle and like cut and like like hit open threes when he's like when the team's leaving him wide open. It's just debilitating. He's he's really a effective player and it's too bad that he's just kind of shoved to the side because we have two other guards that kind of play that same role in offense and um. He's the best defender out of the three. I know Smart won DPOY last year, but it's definitely not the same this year. I trust White way more on the perimeter and in the paint. Smart is better on big guys, but Mm -hmm. with everyone else, like White is the superior defender right now. And if one of them got hurt, one of Smart, White, or Brogdon, I think it would really open a lot up and leave for more room for like a Pritchard come in, like to get like. 10 actual minutes and like a Hauser to like replace Tatum for like three minutes, you know, and it would smart or in white or like white and Brogdon or like any two of that three just kind of like running the show all game would, it would just make more sense. Cause then they get more rhythm. It's it, it really is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And Robert Williams not doing a ton this series no he's regressed he must be injured because last year he was like wilt chamberlain and this year he's like marcus camby yeah but like worse it's something's gonna be wrong but at the same time we're on the brink of elimination if if you need to unleash him you gotta do it now because Horford Horford Missoula is really he's he's been holding he's he's got all the tricks up his sleeve that he's been waiting for this moment that's that I'm sure that's it do you think I'm pretty sure we've seen the entire Missoula bag I I don't think he has anything else to offer no I do you think he'll he'll change the rotation at all for tomorrow no he doesn't have the he doesn't have the he doesn't have the balls he doesn't have the balls to do a brad stevens when brad put in gerald green in the starting lineup (laughs) i'm starting gerald series around oh i'll never forget it turned the whole series around it did it did yeah no he does not oh my god i'm glad you brought that up he does not have the balls to do something like that no he's got zero nuts that's the perfect example no nut joe of uh, improvising during a series or making an adjustment, which he is not. Yeah, done. just whip, whip your whip out your sack and throw it on the table <laughs> one time. Do 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 like a crazy like big man lineup. Do do something where it's like you're gonna have to match us. Like we we're gonna have the upper hand for this rotation, even if it's just like this five minute stretch. Doing something where you're gonna have to adjust to us and kind of go off balance in your rotation a little bit. The Sixers they just they put in who they want. They don't worry about what we're gonna do. 
they they match our subs they'll just like it's it's easy money like in it's doc rivers it's not red Auerbach, you know and it, it it's just it's it's wild wild stuff the inability to adapt and to pick it up when they need to and to bring energy it's ah it's just a bummer for such a talented team it is i mean we looked so good at the beginning of the year and that uh, that seemed like a completely different team at this point and you went to a lot of games last year against the nets like it's just a, like it just looks like you can tell the difference it's just a different mindset different energy they got in everyone on twitter today will do the joe missoula defense like everyone acting like it's joe's fault that we're down three two Ime was down three two last year and look what happened it's like i, I was confident we were gonna win that series still like because i like those the, the that loss was it was just like a fluke it wasn't like an energy thing it was just like we couldn't grab a rebound oh, and we yeah. couldn't get the stops when we needed to and we got cold when we at the worst time but it wasn't like an all-game energy thing it's, it's a totally different situation and it's frustrating that even people would even defend Missoula, which I guess I did last week. So it it was like a one comment thing. You said I like Missoula, mate. <laughs> Man, I wish I could take that back. Can we can we scrub that from the archives? Yes, we'll we'll uh, we'll put we'll put the tape in a vault and lock it away forever. <laughs> so what do you think happens? All right, so you think they're gonna lose tomorrow? Yeah, I do. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win by forty tomorrow. Not thirty, forty. Mm. And then game seven. I love that. Game seven they're gonna be up by ten with four minutes to go and then Sixers have the ball and then Georges Niang's gonna hit a three. And then they're down seven. Jalen Brown gets a ball, dribbles it up, thinks he's Kyrie with the handles, dribbles it off his foot, ball <laughs> goes right to Big Bang Niang, outlet pass over to P.J. Tucker. Wow. Who's wide open. <laughs> it hits a three. The little shot put, the shot put form three in the corner. Yep, <laughs> it's a three. Joe, it- Joe doesn't call a timeout. And, that, and everyone's looking at the bench like, do we call a timeout? And Joe's looking, <laughs> Joe's just Joe's looking at his shoelaces. His <laughs> uh, Help figure it out, guys. Sm- smart decides to like you know, let the ball roll up as if he's like Rondo. Yep, I love, he's Rondo. I love this. Uh, I love this. I love this. He's letting the ball roll up for no reason. The clock is it doesn't start at this point in the game either like mm-hmm. it's it's just to be a douchebag like it's not actually burning clock <laughs> like it's it's and and the the sixer will almost get it and he'll pick it up at the last second it'll be a chaotic 10 seconds he's gonna come back to the top of the key he's gonna try to do like one of those slip one-handed passes after a screen you know those like those little he does the little one-hand flick yep. slip pass mm-hmm. up the middle to the cutter it'll go too far It'll be just out of fingertips reach of Tatum. I'll say it's Tatum. Just out of his reach. Sixer fast break. Do you like an and one finish or do you like a three pointer or do you like a uh... four pointer and one? 
And one and one three tie game. <laughs> uh, PJ Tucker off. It, it goes off the very top of the backboard, and then it it lands on the front rim, and it looks like it's gonna fall down. But then it somehow ends up going in. It's like the biggest circus shot ever. So now the game is tied. love this. Now the game is tied, and it's a built in. It's a built in two for one for the yep. Sixers. There's like thirty seconds left, so they get the last shot no matter what. Uh. Oh yes, I love that prediction. Oh yes, um, that is so. What's going to happen? So then, uh, Missoula still not call or, yeah, no, still no timeout. Uh, Tatum walks it up the floor. Tatum walks it up the floor. He gets quadruple teamed. He's looking over yeah. at the bench, <laughs> and, and Missoula just waves his hands like like. Like as if he's like telling someone to like run away. He's like, no, 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 come on, we got this, we got this. <laughs> yep, I love this. Does... And then he he gets the pass off, a miracle catch. T- t- the, t- a couple more passes past Hot Potato. <laughs> two seconds on the shot clock. They don't they don't get a shot off. Yeah, Marcus Smart somehow has the ball at some point. Uh, meanwhile, Horford was just underneath the rim, like. Like I'm right here, jumping there's around. No one, alone. There's no one next yeah. to me. Yeah, I don't know. And then I love that. And then that's that's perfect. It's basically just like the Heat game right. last year, right? They're blowing it. And then maybe like the floorboards, like the hardwood floor, starts to shake, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, what's what's going on?" Like everyone in the gardens looking at each other, like, "Oh my god, it was an earthquake in in Boston," and then like like white light starts illuminating through like each of each of the floorboards and suddenly Tommy Heinsohn just pops out. He's <laughs> just like, why didn't you go to the basket? <laughs> he just starts screaming at Scott Foster. <laughs> and, and, and Bill Russell comes out too. And he's like, you dedicated this season to me, and this is yeah, how you repay the me. Jerseys. They're wearing the Russell jerseys. <laughs> Scott Scott Foster is absolutely sweating out the cover. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's a hundred percent what's likely going to happen. Yeah, that's most likely. I I just think they lose. I I think it will play out a lot like. Um, like the comparison is the Warriors last year, but I think it will play out a lot like that net series in the first round a couple of years ago where it'll, it'll just be, they'll just come out dead from the start and it'll just be like three and a half quarters of like 10 point leads that we cut to like seven that they keep like, just like that they last keep night. like getting back up. Yeah, exactly. Just like last night, but like. That was like the whole net series that year that we lost to them. And I just, I I could see, like, we're not going to get blown out. It's not going to be like our blown lead. It'll be like a tease all game. It'll be like, oh, they're like getting back into it. Nope, they're not. And B just like got fouled. He's going to have two free throws. So I I, I just, I have a feeling that's how it goes. And then um, luckily though, uh, what what time's the game at? Probably 7.30. It's usually it's yeah I, I heard there's i heard there's a mickey mouse clubhouse marathon at 11 that deuce and uh tatum can catch in the hotel room so <laughs> as long as he gets back in time for that then i think the season will be a success as long as he gets that instagram 
Instagram up. Yep. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That's the Celtic season. <laughs> yeah. Tatum said last summer was the worst summer of his life. <laughs> He's gonna have two of the worst summers of his life in a row oh my god he's gonna go get a sandwich at like de pasquale's and waltham and he's he's gonna get harassed by the locals wait is that eh, probably does that happen before just... no i just I, I i i don't think the fan if he comes out with no energy again and has a terrible start in a terrible game even if he gets the stats i don't think that he could put up 40 20 and 10 but if they lose and he doesn't have any energy and he starts slow and they're like they're never like in the game. Then he'll be hated no matter what. I think. I think I'll, like there's a lot of unrest around here with him. It, a lot more than usual. Oh yeah, what's a pulse up? Because is is it always been? It's not good. Yeah. That, this team hasn't really grabbed everyone. Like I'm not Mister like speak for everyone in Boston, but I like have a general sense from like. My friends and like the radio and like just like the callers that call like I, I know and um there there's been like a mis a distrust all year in this group there that last year everyone kind of just had the trust and it was, everyone was a lot more confident this year there's like been kind of an underlying um deep seated like worry that this team is just fraudulent which it's kind of pointing in that direction. I do think it is like they all are just like the same energy, you know. They're all kind of just laid back and quiet, and they need like someone crazy. And Horford tries, and Smart tries, and it just it, it's not enough. Yeah, they need I don't know who they they need someone who's out of their mind, and um, I guess it's I yeah get a wild card, go get Dylan Brooks, <laughs> fuck it, get him for the minimum. Go go get someone, go get someone that's just unhinged. And that will shake it up, and the the crowd can just boo that guy, and like everyone can hate that guy, and the rest of the team will just like every they'll just it'll be good for the team. Yeah. Did you see Colin Cowherd's uh, trade, uh, his uh, trade proposal today for the Celtics and Warriors? Oh God, what did he say? He said that we should trade Jalen and Brogdon to the Warriors. Is it Jalen? Yeah, it's Jalen Brogdon to the Warriors for Poole and Wiggins. No. <laughs> Which makes us significantly worse. No. But, like, is he just on a different... Is he watching a different sport? He, uh, I, I I think he's a Skip Bayless troll, perhaps. Yeah, trolling, yeah. That's I think he call. has writers yeah. that are just like, just say this. Yeah, you're so, so right. <laughs> you're so right. He, like, he knew that was going to be, like, the breakout clip and, like, start a commotion and, like, start the conversation. Like, it's all about just, like, st- it, like embracing debate and, like, mm-hmm. igniting that debate. So, yeah, you're totally right. I, my troll radar is usually pretty decent, too, but I guess not that time. Greeny likes him too. He always says cowards this guy, but I whenever I've he's heard... a good radio. He's a good radio guy. Like it's entertaining, but like a lot of the ta- like it's hard to do radio probably like and have spout takes that like are ridiculous. But yeah, you gotta keep it interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe next week's episode. We, uh, well, I think we'll most certainly be eliminated, but yeah, you never know. 
We'll see. Yeah, if we win, I, I reserve the right to completely change my opinion on everyone on the team if we win. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just uh getting that out there right now. I I I'm totally giving myself this break and I get to switch and be pro Celtics next week if we win. But if they do lose, then we'll just come back with a post uh postmortem. I was gonna say postpartum. Jesus, that's fucked up. A postmortem next week. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll uh we'll plan on that, most likely. So, we will switch gears. We're not doing a movie. We're actually we're going to we're going to try and get through a TV series here. Each episode is a half hour long. We mentioned about doing something like this on the last podcast and talked about it and we we're like, "Yeah, let's do this." We're doing Are You Free of the Dark? Do- yep, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, baby. Let's go. Yes. We're going to do the first two episodes. So that would be The Tale of the Phantom Cab and The Tale of Laughing in the Dark. Two really solid episodes. Uh, both yep. first aired 21, no, not 20, 31 years ago. Yeah, just before I was born. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were born 92, right? Yeah, I was born 92. The show premiered August 92. Right. I was born November 92. That's right. But you you saw the show because they would rerun it a lot, right? Yeah, and yeah, the um, they brought it back, too. They revived it in, what, 99? So when they revived it, was probably when I first started watching it, to be honest, with Alicia Cuthbert. Remember, she was on Right, it and, yeah, she was um, um, in the Midnight Society. Yeah, so like I, that's when I started watching it. But they obviously re-ran everything. Like this, like, this is one of the shows that was just my absolute favorites. I couldn't get enough of it. And I'm, I know you were the same. You were enormous. Are you afraid of the dark guy? Oh, yeah. I grew up on this. This was this was probably my favorite live-action show growing up on Nickelodeon. This, and I loved Legends of the Hidden Temple. They were both... Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Like, this and Legends of the Hidden Temple are just absolute classics for our generation of kids. Mm-hmm. And the show is just great. It, it, it holds up. It's not... It's before the time of cgi and whatnot i mean there was a little bit of cgi throughout the uh first run of the show which was five seasons 1992 to let's say like 1996 was the first run they did a soft reboot in uh 99 and 2000 ran for two seasons uh loosely associated with uh the previous seasons and then they uh, completely rebooted it uh, b- about three, four years ago. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I heard it's not bad. But I, I haven't seen it either. I, I I don't know if I'll watch it to be honest. It, it's I'm, it's hard. I'm good with it living in its own time, you know. And that's like I don't see the modern version. I see the old. Like I just I wouldn't be able to really embrace that. Yeah. It's it's hard to to top it. It's yeah, 
You can't do it. Yeah, it's like Twilight Zone, you know? It's like you can't just recreate the magic in a movie or, like, a rebooted show or... Like, it, it doesn't work like that. Right. No, it, it really does not. So, I guess, yeah, let's let's talk about the Phantom Cab a little bit. So, this is about two of the dumbest kids in Canada. Nah, I'm just kidding. They're not that dumb. Uh, they're going hiking, and it's uh, it's it's two brothers. One's a bit of a geek. Buzz. Really annoying. Talks too much. And his older brother, Denny, who has a cool baseball cap. And uh, I, I, they never say why they're walking in the woods. I guess... It's it's basically the younger brother trying to prove to his older bro that he's cool and can take him on a hiking trip without getting lost, but then they get lost. It fails miserably because he's pointing the compass at his belt. So he's <laughs> so he's been ha- he, he the directions have been off the entire hike. Yep. So yeah, they were a couple screwed. of fucking morons, to be honest. Like, especially Denny, all he did was complain at all times, and just he's like choking out his brother. He's like yelling at his brother. It's like <laughs> this little like cute geek. He just wants to like hang with his big bro. Yeah, it's kind of a fucked up relationship. They they don't really seem like brothers. Yeah, they don't really look alike. I love the way Denny says map. He says mop. Yeah, Where very have you Canadian. Lost the mop. Super Canadian. I mean, maybe they're in the Nahimi Valley or something like that. Have you heard about this place? I think that's what it's called. No. So it's like northwestern Canada, which Canada is wild. It is so big, but very, very loosely populated. In yeah, sparse. Spots. Yeah. Yes. So like northern Canada pretty close to alaska there's this area where people have let me i see it right here i'm looking at a map yeah the nahani nahani valley people have gone hiking there a lot have disappeared this is like over the past century some people have been found without heads like they just find they just find their bodies they don't, they don't have a head. Is it like tribal? It's very, I it could be, it could be. It's very ominous. But I found, I found a very interesting YouTube video on it. So I mean, if Denny and Buzz were in the Nahimi Valley, then they do have an excuse for getting lost. But if they're in freaking Montreal, which is probably where they shot this, then they're pretty dumb for getting lost in the woods it's probably let's be real it's like probably a hundred yards from like a mcdonald's <laughs> yeah could probably hear people taking like yeah you can hear the, the highway through you can hear like you can hear the street but they just can't figure it out <laughs> it is great how so... like they're walking in like t-shirts and like just strutting along then it gets like it's like dark for two seconds and Denny's immediately complaining about how it's like sub-zero temperatures. 
Yeah, they're freezing even though they're not shivering at all. Yeah, they're, it's they're freezing. not like holding their shoulders. There's like it's freezing out. It looks like the middle of the summer. Yeah, and I think Buzz has a sweater wrapped around his waist. I, did I miss see that? <laughs> Actually, he might. Yeah. <laughs> Some unintentional comedy. This show is just nice going, genius. Yeah. <laughs> the compass on the metal belt was amazing. I, I couldn't get over that. That was so fucking hilarious. Nice going, Tonto. You lost the map. <laughs> yeah, he drops the map in water, which wouldn't ruin the map. Like, if it just gets, like, a little bit, like, wet, is it just, the, like, all the ink is just going to, like, dissipate? Like, what what was going on there? Like, the map just, they couldn't see it because it got a little bit wet, a little bit damp? <laughs> I, I love Hilarious. the names he calls his brother. He calls him a lamewad, loser, genius. He calls him a toad at one point. Yeah, Denny was amazing. What he the <laughs> absolute prototypical like older brother, dickhead, like idiot, jock, archetype. You know, just like he checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And then at one point. Uh, Buzz just starts running away. He's like, I know where we are. I know where we are. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, where are you going? He's, he stops him. I, I don't know what the point of that was. And no, then well, he, was, he was mad, right? Wasn't he, like, angry? He was, he, um, he, Denny yelled at him one too many times, so he, he bolted. I guess he's like, no, I know where we are. I, it's this way. It's this way. And he's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> And that's where they run into Flynn, right? They run to Flynn in the uh, super, super bright moon. The The lighting was not realistic. I mean, this is a problem in a lot of movies and TV shows. But, I mean, at the same time, it's a, it's a TV show. But, anyways. Yeah, TV yeah, productions were... are a lot less, like, um, financially invested in than, like, a movie. So like the it's amazing that like the production quality looks as good as it does, you know, like it like especially with practical effects, like they I thought they do like a pretty good job with it. Like at points you can like you can tell it's like wow, this is really janky, but for the most part it holds together, I think. I yeah, I agree. But you can tell it's a TV um, sh- a Canadian TV show from the early 90s. Like it Oh, no. It's no, not no. fooling anyone. But yeah, no, they there's some good filmmaking here, which I'll I'll get into. Some cool camera tricks. Yep. Um, so we mentioned they run into Flynn, and we got a Jason Voorhees reference. Well, not explicitly, but they see someone coming, and uh, Denny's like, "Ah, turn off the brights! Turn off the brights!" And then Buzz is like, "Who is that? Who who is that?" And guy's like, "I don't know." He's like, oh, maybe it's a, a maniac in a hockey mask. <laughs> and turns out to be even worse. It's Flynn, that creep. Flynn was very like, oh. creepy. Just like, oh, you know, I'm just walking in the woods, you know. I Say, a how are you guys at solving riddles? <laughs> and then... 
he puts his arm around them at one point. Like these kids are nearly. Yeah, got Denny and Buzz are very friend. unfazed by stranger danger. That's they they don't really get shook by much. Yeah, and so Flynn's like, "Oh, I I know a guy who who has a telephone. Follow me." And they go and follow him, and uh, they end up at the the Shire, I guess. It yeah, looks like the, the Shire. It's like yeah, a stone Denny, hut. <laughs> Denny thinks it's where the seven dwarves live. <laughs> yeah, he has some good lines. He has some. It's great writing. Like the the writing yeah. is. It's like great one liners. Good di- Like really good dialogue. Like sharp, quick. Like not like anno- not annoying at all, like funny at all times, but like super cheesy. It's just it's really well done. But yeah, th- it looks like we're either Bilbo Baggins or like the Seven Dwarves would live in that little weird hut. But Canada, man, it's a weird place. Who, who knows? It Maybe is. someone would live in a place like that. It is so. Right before they go in, Denny has another good line. Buzz is like. I'm so, he says like something along the lines of I'm sorry I did this, <laughs> and he goes, "Don't worry, I'll smack you when I get home." <laughs> <laughs> that actually made me like laugh. Oh, I was laughing out loud at like a lot of Denny's lines. <laughs> I and forgot. Buzz just forgot takes it on the chin that. every time. He hardly ever rebuttals. Yep, he's a little snot. So they get in. And there's Doctor Vink. Doctor Vink, Vink, a re a reoccurring character. Yes, yes, he appears. The well, the actor is actually in both of the episodes we're covering. Aaron Tagger, I believe his name is. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Tagger or Tagger. Probably Tagger if it's Canadian. I'm guessing. Yeah. So he's there saying he he dedicates his life to studying uh flora and fauna which don't know what that I is. Had, yeah, I looked it up. It's it's like the study of animal and uh plant life. I guess fauna is for animals, flora is plant. Anyways, very weird, kind of creepy. He's out there. He shows them the brain of a wild boar, and he uh, he he tells them that they need to solve a riddle in order to use the telephone. Makes sense. Which, you know, that's what. Yeah. If someone was going to knock on my door and they asked for help, I would say, "Yeah, but you need to solve this riddle first. Yeah, and then naturally you would take out uh, tree trimmers and, you know, hold it right next to the line of the telephone saying, okay, <laughs> let's see if you can get the riddle right. Good luck. Uh, the first riddle was uh, how far can you walk into the woods? Buzz knew it. Buzz, Halfway. good at riddles. All right, Buzz. And then the next one. 
was uh what what is something you can put in the barrel it can be seen with the naked eye and uh when it goes in the barrel it makes it lighter and they can't figure it out and the way this is written is great too because after this like most pretty much all episodes if i'm remembering correctly that cuts back to the midnight society and the the Midnight Society is complaining to the storyteller. It's Frank, right? New guy? Yes, yes. So this is, yeah, the first episode. They're complaining that, that the riddle did. can't be solved. So it's just like a nice, like, quick little cutaway to remember that these kids are telling the story. They argue about it for a second. Frank yells at them, tells them to shut up and let him continue the story. So it cuts back to the, like, story. I, I just thought that was cleverly done. Yeah, and this is actually one of the few episodes that intercuts multiple times with uh, the Midnight Society. Oh, Usually, really? <laughs> yeah. The, so I was the just totally regular... wrong with that. Well, no, it's it, it might maybe they should have done it with other episodes because it's you know it's kind of a reminder. Like, yeah, oh, it's it's that's it's right. There is a kid telling this story. I I think it would have been interesting if they did that. But yeah, I thought it was for good all writing. the other episodes. Yeah, it's basically just beginning Midnight Society, very end, to wrap it up. It's good to have them in the middle. Story it, in the middle. I I, gotta, I don't know how to explain it, but it it just ties everything together a little more. I I don't know why, but yeah, that was just my quick two they cents sh- on that. Yeah, they should have done that. What drug do you think Dr. Vink is on? Who knows? Mushrooms, um, some kind of acid. He's yeah, some LSD. Uppers, downers, LSD. Yeah, he's doing it all. He's got the flask of whiskey. He's... he's, he's, he's Wild he's, boar. Yeah, he's, he's drinking, like, the dirty water from his, like, limb jars. He's, he's, he's into some weird stuff. Yeah. So, they can't get the riddle, Buzz and Danny. And I hate riddles. Like... Yes. <laughs> Danny. And then, they're like, please, just let's use the phone. And Vink is like, well, maybe if you show me a specimen. <laughs> and yeah, I love this. They're like, what, what are you talking about? Where's this going, man? So We're obvious, too. <laughs> And it shows them a jar with a hand in it. <laughs> ah! I I love the shot of them. Like, yeah, the cla- the, the the classic old school scream where it's just like mouth a get a gap, like they they just scream like in unison, turn around in unison, and just sprint out. And it's it's like a dolly zoom that they're doing. It's it's one of those shots where. The, I think it's the the camera is zooming out, like the lens is zooming out, but they're physically putting the camera closer to the actor. It kind of makes the background like illuminate. It's it, they do it in Psycho when um when the guy's falling down the stairs. Yeah, in Psycho. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, a little it's camera an old trick, just, trick. Yeah, yeah. This just show is very Hitchcocky, and that's. It seems like this kind of the only move they had in the bag because there's really no gore, there's no like death, 
there's well there's death but like not on screen death so like they really do rely on like the the suspenseful like camera tricks and like the the quick cutting and just stuff like that like the good writing to like set the like creepy atmosphere it's it's really like all around well crafted for what they had to work with yeah they they do a good job and then the, that shot is followed by a dutch angle and going back to that previous shot, Buzz was definitely not screaming. <laughs> he just had his mouth wide open. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Just the <laughs> yeah, the, the gape mouth. Yeah, that's that's. And then they kind of awkwardly like walk off screen, like not even like bolting off. They just like kind of like turn to the side as if like they were given direction. Like, all right, we're trying this camera trick now. Uh, when we point at you, uh, walk off screen. <laughs> yeah, Buzz and Denny, not good actors. They they were at best like educational video quality actors. More, more so, more so Buzz. Buzz, ugh, it's tough delivery. I yeah, mean, Denny I know he's just a, funny. a rotten kid. So apparent, I think, uh, Denny. Who was played by Jason Tremblay? I think he might be the father of a prominent child actor right now. He no was way, in, Jacob Tremblay. I, I think I think that's his dad. No way. Yeah, if Jacob Tremblay. That's his dad. So I. So the only reason that uh, is I don't think it isn't him is because imdb literally says it isn't but i, I think they're throwing <laughs> us off i think they're throwing us off yeah let's just they let's look pretend alike. that's that's the world i want to live in <laughs> i think he is canadian too jacob tremblay i mean I like know. It, it, it it all lines up it really does line up a little bit you had me there you you could have just sold me on that forever and i wouldn't have looked it up ever i would have just believed it and told everyone I don't know. I think it lines up because he's Canadian. Um, yeah, he was born in British Columbia, and quickly the Canadian also, like, kids like make this show for you, right? Like a big part of why it works for me is like the the corny acting, the like the corny Canadian kid acting, like where it's it's like good, but it's not good, but it's like funny but it's also like they're serious enough like it it's it like all the kids like those canadian kids they and it's like a this this show served as like a star finder for a lot of like young canadian talent like ryan gosling nev campbell emmanuel mm-hmm. shrieky she was in the vampire one that's Sloan right montage right. hayden christensen jay baruchel dead man's float like there, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of like young Canadian stars that came about from the show. So like a fun part of watching it is like a who's this guy and who's that guy and like whose dad is that? You know, like it, it's fun to play that game with these Canadian actors for some reason. Hey, look, he was in Brain Scan, and so was he. Yeah, there. I'm surprised there like wasn't more, like the like the timeline kind of overlapped perfectly too. Where like they would have been the same age, you know, as the brain scan kids. So, yep. That's too funny. Yeah. So I I'd like to think that he's probably his dad, but
But yeah, let's just you know, pretend it is. Jacob Tremblay. IMDb dead. says it's he's not. Yeah. But anyone can post things on IMDb. But yeah, whatever. for us he is. Yeah, he is. So then uh Buzz and Denny run away. Uh Vink tells them that there's a cab that comes in the woods at this time and uh lo and behold it comes. And yeah, they they get in the cab and and Flynn Goddamn is Flynn. driving it. Yep. That sneaky and, bastard Flynn. And we find out his face that... painted white too, which was a nice little touch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was much more whiter than the first time we saw yeah. him. Clearly, like indicating something's off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he basically says, like, yeah, I drive this cab every night. Uh, I have the same accident. I end up driving right into a tree. And that's what we're doing right now. You two are about to get demolished. Unless you solve the riddle. Yeah, unless you solve the Which riddle. Buzz eventually pulls out of his ass. After getting choked out by Denny, <laughs> that was great. I can't. I love how they just cut like to that. This. Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh, the camera's on Flynn, and it just cuts to Denny choking out Buzz. <laughs> He's yeah. Denny, I, I don't selfish. think they'll have a scene like that in. <laughs> they definitely don't have a scene like that in the the reboot. <laughs> no, no, they they had a weird brother relationship, but that's how siblings were back in the day. So it was much I more know, realistic yeah. to like what it would actually look like, which was charming. You know, I'm just I'm glad it wasn't like an unrealistic relationship. Like that was very older brother, younger brother type stuff. Totally. totally and you missed the, the the I sort of died, that which is yes. my easily my favorite shot. Maybe in both the episodes we're going to cover. Just the, the writing was... leading up to it, and then the quick cut to his face doing the owl turn. The full the full turn. I, I thought that was just genius. Oh, and then it cut, like it just it cuts out of the car, and it's just, like now it's the car is picking up speed, like weaving through like through like a curved windy road. Like it, that was that was really good stuff. It was, yeah, that was that was that was. That was a good practical effect that they did. Really good. Good acting. And like, yep, yep, good job, Brian Dooley. Brian Dooley, who I've never seen again. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely just I mean, stayed up there in Canada and probably did a bunch of Canadian TV. His IMDb picture is from the episode, which is not a good sign. Nope, not a good career. indication that this this was the high point of his career. <laughs> He probably oh. still gets. I would buy him a drink off of the, this merit alone. Like he probably, he's well, he's probably famous in Canada for this. Yeah, he probably. Because I'm guessing this episode is very fam- famous up there. He probably will sit at the bar. He'll see like someone coming out of the corner of his eye, and someone will be like, quick "Are you? Yep, yep. I'm Flynn. The I'm quick Flynn turn. I sort from... of died." <laughs> yeah, we'll do that on the bar stool. Oh, I would lose it if he did that to me at the bar. I would love that. 
his neck probably hurts so much from trying to do that trick to people. All right, Brian, we, we don't have the practical effects for this, so you're just going to have to fully spin your head around. Uh, yeah, his, he, he doesn't have any acting credits because he, he had nerve damage from doing the, the owl <laughs> twist on the set of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So he never worked again. That's the IMDb trivia. <laughs> 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 trivia on brian dooley um so yeah they solved the riddle and yeah what's the riddle cool a hole? Sh- yeah it was a hole it's a hole it's a hole riddles are interesting because it's like he finally got it and like it's a kid's show so i'm pissed that i like couldn't think of it earlier like the whole episode i was like god damn like what oh what did you not it? know it I didn't Did know you it. Not know it when I didn't you know first it. watching it. No, yeah. I'm guessing you knew it because you remember the episode. Oh yeah, I mean I've seen this multiple times. So actually, so they used to rerun "Are You Afraid of the Dark" a lot back in the day, and they did not show this episode that often, or at least I wouldn't catch it when I was watching it. I I feel like I saw episodes multiple times but i never saw this one and then i remember one day i after like seeing the whole series i i saw this on nickelodeon i was like oh interesting this is this is an episode i haven't seen and lo and behold i find out it's the first episode later on when i started researching are you afraid of the dark more like in the the early internet days, so there was like a time in two thousand like two or three, where yeah, I was getting older, but I was realizing that like Nickelodeon was getting crappier, and it was just evident that it was because the shows just were not as good, and it's before YouTube, so. You couldn't just go on the internet and, like, watch clips of these shows on YouTube. They weren't around. Like, there wasn't... there That that kind of site didn't exist, really. Yeah, you're kind of beholden to what was on TV, and that's it. There's no right. other option. Which does lead to a lot of, like, you find, like, secret gems, like, more so than you probably even would now in the internet age, which is, like, crazy to think. But just, like, the mm-hmm. being forced to watch something was a lot different back yeah. then than it is. And that's what that's made this right. show so much more exciting for me back then was like when it finally like when it was on I was pumped cuz I knew I wasn't going to get it again until like on Snick I think it was maybe late night every night, but I don't think it was every night. I think it was like what, a couple times a week maybe? They back in like the early 2000s. It. Um yeah, they definitely aired it. Well, I'm thinking like mid 90s they definitely aired it. Um on weekdays, but I, they'd switch it up. Sometimes it would be part of SNCC. SNCC was usually 8 to 10 p.m. Yeah, that's where, when I would always or, watch it. And it would always be the final the final show of SNCC, which is yep. pretty badass. Perfect. For, like it, being such a, a kid, good, staying yeah. up till 9.30, watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Yeah, it was our Twilight Zone. Nightmares. Yep. And then I think they were doing Sunday nights at one point during the last season. 
And then they did the soft reboot in 99. And I think they were still doing SNCC back then. And I, to be honest, I didn't really watch the soft reboot that much. I, or what, it's kind of, so the, the first five seasons was 1992, then 96. And then it's just, they just stopped making them. And in 99, I remember just seeing a preview for it again. I was like, oh, it's coming back. But it's sort of a continuation just because there's Gary who is um, in uh, in all five seasons or the first five seasons. He has a younger brother that appears in season three. And he becomes part of the Midnight yeah, Society. Yeah, he's, he's um, Tucker. Tucker's his yeah. name. What, what's his name? Really? Like Don to something. Dan- Daniel DeSanto. Daniel DeSanto. Actually... Yeah, he was in Mean Girls. Yeah, he was. He was. He uh... was. That's <laughs> Jason. Yes, he was in Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was Jason in Mean Girls. I remember seeing that in theaters and having no idea that he was in it. And I was like, "Oh my god, it's him!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he came on board for. Are you afraid of the dark? Like you said, like season three, right? Like it was later on. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Like, he and was then the little when, brother. Yep. And then when they did the reboot, he was the only like previous cast member right. from the Midnight Society to come right. back, and it was all like other people. So yep. it's good that the, he he was like the bridge between the two. Yeah, the show really did fall a lot into the same like life that twilight zone did with like the creator dj McHale, like really like being like the rod serling figure the creator the writer like this episode and the next episode we're gonna do is written by chloe brown which is just a pen name for dj McHale. like it's chloe brown isn't an actual person it's just dj McHale, and he oh, wrote like he wrote like I think like seventy five percent of these episodes, so I don't know what happened. I couldn't find any of my research, but I'm a gu- I'm guessing a lot like Rod Serling. He just kind of ran out of material, and the show just kind of, you know, it, it was really popular. But they probably just it just ended, you know, like they didn't have anything else in the tank. And a lot like Twilight Zone, it comes back like a few years later, but like enough where it's like, eh, like why is this coming back now? But also like not enough time where it's like a full like legacy reboot you know so it's it's a very like strange revival um lifespan for the show and kind of confusing too because like it technically lasts like 1990 to 2019 but just like fragmented you know so it's it's a little bit weird yeah it 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 throws off imdb a lot because yeah, I think like IMDb sh- shows right, like technically, and IMDb. Yeah, it has them separate, but it's yeah, it's kind of confusing. Like, is this like a new season, even though it's been off the air for a while? Um, it's it's not quite clear. I mean, if we're, I think it's one of like the first shows to just like be off the air for multiple years and then like kind of come back. Now that seems to happen all the time. Yeah. Like Arrested Development, I think that has only one IMDb page, even though. Yeah, it just it looks weird because it looks like Frasier where it's like 2001 to 2021, you know, on like the. Right, the, right. 
the the lifespan for the show, but it actually is just like 2001 to 2003, and then 2021 alone. So it's the, yeah. that that can be a little like misleading. Hmm. So yeah, will I will probably cover the soft reboot a bit when we get there eventually. I like I like a lot of those episodes. Like I there's some cool like in my ones. research. There's... I found like I think the Hayden Christensen Bigfoot episode is it was part of the revival um it is yep i'm pretty like is the t and tamara maori one where the chameleons take over the world is that in the revival uh, like i'm that trying was, to think of their that age was, uh i believe that was season five so it was of, the last uh, season of the, the regular yeah okay. yeah and i know dead man's yeah. float was five mm-hmm. um yeah so i it's kind of like Ryan Gosling was that one. That was season five too, right? With Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, that was also season five. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great episode. I can't wait to cover a lot of these episodes. But um, yeah, yeah, that's it, I do like the soft revival reboot. Revi- I guess it's revival, right? Like yeah, it's not really a reboot re- revival. Just like, I guess yeah, because it's probably just, a, a. It's the same show. It's not like they're like rebooting like the same characters or whatever. It's just like a continuation which all that like language it's kind of tough to keep up with nowadays in a world of everything having like a legacy reboot like sequel mm-hmm. slash like you know scream six did a funny riff on that i thought oh yeah i still need to watch that definitely yeah check out wicked horror for my review of it oh yes a little plug yes. is that if you is there like a a slash wicked horror or can you just Google wicked horror Alex Kane and yep Google wicked horror Scream Six or wicked horror Alex Kane and it'll be right there. Hell yeah, awesome! But watch the movie first. I I don't spoil yeah. anything ever in my reviews, but I always think it's probably better to watch the movie. Without a doubt. Yeah, I need to see Scream 5 as well. So, I I should probably watch Scream. I should probably just watch them all again. I haven't you seen should probably Scream watch. 3. I would recommend Scream. If you're going to watch Scream 6, I would recommend watching Scream 4, 5, then 6. You don't have to go all the way back. It, it if you watch them all all six in a marathon, that would be an amazing day spent like this cuz they do flow nicely too, like they're very. I know we're going off on a scream tangent here, but can't help myself. It's all right. Like, Nev Nev Campbell was in an episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it all links together. It's six degrees mm-hmm. of Kevin Bacon. But um, mm-hmm. if like they're all like time capsule movies, almost where it's like what I love about Scream Four specifically is like that's so 2011 about like in like obviously Scream yeah. One is so 96. Like Scream Two is like perfectly 97. Like that. I know what you did last summer era of like stars mm-hmm. and like the yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller isn't she in it? Yeah, exactly. It's Sarah Michelle yeah. Geller. Uh, Joshua Jackson is in it. So it's like a weird like it's it's a really good like time capsule series where it's like, oh, yeah, these were like the teen stars of that time. Like Scream 4. It's like Emma Roberts and Hayden Panettiere and like Rory Culkin and all those like all those guys yeah. that were in all those movies of that era. And like Scream 3 was like a really like 2000 version of like a sequel to a horror movie it's just a, like scream 5 is very 2000 like 
was that pre-COVID? It came out post-COVID, but I think they filmed it pre-COVID. But it was like perfect for like the elevated horror stretch where it was like elevated horror was breaking in. So they were like riffing on that. And then this Scream 6 is like perfect for 2023 where it's like reboots and legacies. They do such a good job of like really like going with the times and having that like weave into the story. So tangent, uh, rant over, but I highly recommend you watch all of them in a row. But if you do, if you're in a pinch, I would recommend four through six. Yeah, I, well, I haven't seen Scream 3 since I want to say like 2004. So I feel like I, because I, I did look at the cast list for Scream 5 and I saw that there's a character from Scream 3 that comes back for that one. It's Randy Meeks's sister. Yeah. I think. Yeah, played by the girl who got flipped upside down in Hostel 2. <laughs> and uh, remember her? She was upside down naked and like getting her like tits cut off in Hostel 2. That was pretty fucked oh, up. Oh, and ho- yeah, that's right. Hostel. Yeah, she, she was in. Um, oh, what's her name? She, she was, was in, in that crazy movie. Heather. Yeah, Heather Mazzaria. Yeah, she was she in was... the Princess Diaries. Um, she was in this great movie called Welcome to the Dollhouse. Yep, Welcome to the Dollhouse. That's what I was first... thinking of. Yep, Heather the Todd Ms... Salon's yeah. movie. By the yep. way, have you seen the movie Happiness? No, by Todd Salon's. No, I so haven't seen same that. director as Welcome to the Dollhouse. Um, uh, equally fucked up. Actually, more fucked up than Welcome to the Dollhouse. Yeah, Welcome to the Dollhouse um, is crazy. Yeah, she's a really yeah. like weird, weird character actress. But yeah, yeah and they they do make career. mention of one character from Scream Three in Six briefly, but I won't spoil that either. Okay. Um, yeah. So definitely watch Scream. All right. Uh, move on to uh, Laughing in the Dark. Yeah, quickly, just a couple of tidbits or, from yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Wanted to ask you a couple. What would you rate the episode out of ten? All right. Uh, so, um, uh, in in terms of like, are you afraid of the dark? Where like my favorite, are you afraid of the dark episodes are a ten? That's how I'm gonna yeah, rate just, it. We'll get ahead of this now. We'll explain it here. Like. Just, like, for enjoyability, like, your personal, like, not, don't, like, even mix in any, like, technical or, like, what is, like, actually, like, the most well-made episodes or, like, the least well-made episodes. Just, like, your favorites for any reason. And, like, 10 being, like, 10 should only be, like, a couple of the whole series. Like, you don't want more than, should we set the limit for, like, five? Like, you can't have more than five tens. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so you can't have more than five tens. And if you do hit that limit at some point, you have to take a 10 away from someone. Right. Okay. So we'll play it like a, like a, not a top five thing, but like you, like you can't go past five tens. Like your favorite episodes should maybe be nines and tens, but you can't go over five tens. Okay. That's fair. Um, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because this wasn't an episode I really grew up with because I I can only recall seeing it once when I was a kid. I didn't catch it on the reruns that much. It wasn't until I was a teenager, really, when I was first 
you know, rewatching the series, I actually, I ended up buying a VHS on eBay in like 2003 or 2004 of the whole series. Or it didn't, it didn't have every episode. It had a lot of them though. And the quality was so bad, <laughs> but I still watched it. But it was like so much static. It was hard yeah. to hear. There were there were times because it was a VHS tape. There were times where it it would literally just completely like cut out, but then come back. I because VHSs used to do that. Because I think it was just bootlegs so much. I find but, that charming, uh, too, where it cuts to commercial, you mean? Yeah, well, there was that, and then, like, the, the tape was just so bad that, like, there was nothing oh, to read. It was, it was just, okay. like... It was, yeah, it was, it was just, just transferred your, improperly. Your, the basically. VHS player couldn't handle it. It's just, like, there's nothing here. We're not even showing you anything. I get and it. And now we're cutting back. Yeah. So yeah, I that's... watched it a lot. Like on that VHS tape, and then finally I got DVDs of it off of eBay, like uh, in high school, and it actually had every episode, and it was decent quality, and I still have those, I think, somewhere. So I watched it on there a lot. So I think, you know, rewatching it, this this is a pretty damn good episode. Yeah, I had the same thought. Yep. I think I'm gonna give it a seven, just because it. it it's not really t- too much a part of like my childhood, but like it's, it was very very well done. Some very good practical effects, some cool camera tricks. The uh, Denny has some funny lines. Uh, Doctor Vink's a crazy character, but we love him, and it's always always. Yep, fun to we'll see be revisiting him. him again. Yeah, I've... we sure will. Yeah, I find it to be a very charming pilot. I think that works for it. This well. is not I, the pilot, believe it or so not. So the pilot was the monkey paw, right? The monkey's paw was. That's right. That's right. But this aired first. Like this was what American audiences saw first, right? It was like Canadian so I, o- audiences saw the monkey paw. I'm so I I think I I don't know if the monkey paw or twisted claw aired in America. It definitely aired in Canada in 1990. I don't know if they showed it here wow. as well. 1990? Yeah. yeah, that was made in 1990. So or, that's like or, a true it pilot. It is. Yep. Yep. Like there was nothing yeah. filmed with that. It was just that. Okay. So I guess I'll have yeah. to like fix but, that. But opinion. for some reason they make it episode four in the yep. series. I don't know why. Oh, we will. There had to, to have been some changes eventually. made to it. I'm guessing, like maybe like the Midnight Society, they added in. Like they had to have done something there because that wouldn't make any sense. But yeah, anyways, it's, it's, so it's strange. Um, I still find it to be a charming first episode. Like I think it it hits that well. I think better than the second episode we're gonna do. Maybe the second episode would have worked better as like a. A technical, technically a pilot, but I find this one to be a really good pilot. I as well thought there was some really good scenes, like much better than I remembered. I remembered like parts of it, but not totally. I found the head turn to be very effective. The writing was good. I thought the bushes screaming, the kids screaming in the bushes was pretty cool. 
There was some oh, funny right. scenes. Yeah, that was some, creepy. Some tense scenes. Anything in the woods is creepy. So I'd give it a seven. I think it's – I agree with you. It's solid. It's not part of my childhood, but it's solid enough and better than I remember. And I think it works as, like, an opener. Like, I was very satisfied, like, re-diving into this the other night and this being the first one. It was, it was a good – it was a good reintroduction. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So no, seven for fair. both yeah. of us. Seven for both of us. I like it. Um, all right. So the next episode is Laughing in the Dark. Um, basically about a, uh, a fun house. And uh, we have... Oh, that's right. We have the the actor who plays Dr. Vink, Aaron Tagger, plays the Carney in this episode. So he comes back. And it's these kids who are, you know, they're, they're, there's, uh, there's Josh, Ouija, and Kathy. Ouija. Uh, Ouija and Kathy. Ouija, yeah, interesting name. Ouija and Kathy are brother and sister. Uh, Kathy's a little younger. And, you know, they're just chilling at the carnival, and uh, they keep hearing about this one funhouse called Laughing in the Dark. And they're too afraid to go in. And Most of the kids in the town are. They're all terrified of it. Yeah, every everyone's afraid of it. So then Ouija does a little bit of research finds an article from the library it's before the internet it's, thank god for the library uh and uh they find out that there was a carnival dating back to the 1920s in the same location where there was this guy uh, this clown named Zebo he, he was a clown in the show and he stole a bunch of money, four thousand dollars. So wow, I'm talking big four K, serious loot, man. And he runs away for some reason, hides in the funhouse, and for another reason that we're not sure of, he's smoking a cigar and uh, drops it. Somehow lights the funhouse on fire. And he dies. So now the kids say that Zebo's ghost haunts this fun house, which, you know, they're still running the carnival in the same location to this day. And uh, the the carnival people, they, they kind of, they play up on the story. They have, uh, they have a Zebo clown in the fun house. And, uh, yeah, they tell kids that... He's in there. Yeah, and this is a and... few years after Pennywise in the uh, It TV show or TV movie, That's however right. many years yeah. after the book. So this is really just taking advantage of everyone being terrified of clowns. Yes. Yes. Uh, still very relevant today. A lot of people are freaked out by clowns. So. Clowns inherently scary. Always going to work. And it's... Works yeah. perfectly as a second episode to this show. Really, like, grabs you by the balls, you know? And it's the probably, like, one of the most famous episodes, would you say? 
it's yeah, it's one of the most iconic ones. Zebo is just yeah. If you think Are You Afraid of the Dark, it's gonna be probably like Dead Man's Float, like you mentioned. People will think of that one, but they'll also think of Zebo the Clown. So yeah, yeah, this is this is a big one. So Josh, I, I don't know. Josh is a little shit, and he's just yeah, he's like, a little fucker. He's just like, oh, I bet you, I, I'm not scared of no clown. I'm gonna steal Zebo's nose, and and if I do, Ouija, you're gonna have to wear it for a month to school. Ouija, and and I, for some reason, Ouija like agrees to it. He's like, oh, he's sick of him taunting him. It. Yeah, so okay, he like yeah, he yeah, counter bets. Yes. So, then, <laughs> it's it's fun. So it's it's weird how on the show, the the transition to them going back to the carnival. They're like outside. Oh my god! I wanted to bring this up. This was my favorite yes. shot of the two episodes. I couldn't believe they went for this transition. That was just really, really excellent. Really cool. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, do you know how to explain cool that? Like, do you know tricks. like the tech? Do you know like the technical like angle of that? Like, what was that? So, all right. So they're they're like in Ouija's house, and that's when he's like telling him about the article, and then uh, Josh is taunting the little sister and starts chasing her. They run outside. Uh, the sister like hits him with a trash can, the top of a trash can. That was great. Uh, I, of course, we don't see him like running into the the trash can, whatever. It's just like he falls back. Cut. They couldn't get they couldn't get him to act that one out. Or or it might have been too violent for Nickelodeon. Who knows? Even and he's not a method actor. Sh- Sean Penn would have yeah. taken that right off the beak. mm Hmm. So, uh, yeah, then they're outside arguing more, and it's it's Ouija saying, like, oh, yeah, you're too, you're, like, too chicken, you're not going to do it or whatever. And Josh grabs Ouija and says, you're going to eat those words. He, he basically pulls Ouija in front of the camera, so now all we see is the back of Ouija's shirt. And then it cuts somewhere, and then we see Josh, like, removing Ouija from in front of the camera, and now they're at right in front of the funhouse. It it almost looked like a seamless transition, but they obviously had to cut Yeah, and it, like, it reminded there. me of, like, a PowerPoint transition where, like, the screen, like, flips. You know, like, it, like it, it literally just, like flips towards i don't i don't know how to describe it but it was very very powerpointy but it was really good i I, like i that that caught me off guard i was like whoa whoa yeah Uh, yeah, they use the the filmmakers they use some some cool tricks you know yeah it seems very like yeah that's what i was just about to say it seemed very experimental like they're all doing their hitchcock they're all like, all right, yeah. this is my showcase to make like my Twilight Zone episode, and that's what's great about an anthology show. It's like short films, so like you don't like you can put your stamp on something. Like you can 
do creative stuff and like stand out and it's stuff like that that makes these shows work so much better than like a show that's just like so consistently like the same through like a six season run mm-hmm. but anyways yeah. yeah it would have been great if she hit him i bet the like if that was sean penn he would have been like fucking hit me motherfucker <laughs> and she would have she would just smacked him in the nose they would have to stop shooting for like three days because he broke his nose <laughs> yeah poor poor uh christian tessier could not christian tessier the it. most like hockey name ever in the their right? bedroom with the the hockey goal and like the Stanley Kubrick oh, yeah. like Clockwork Orange type like white walls and it, that was really like some Canadian room. Canadian room, eh? Hey, it's funny they never mention that they're in Canada throughout the whole run of the show. At least I don't think so. No, they, I don't they think just so. Don't don't state it. Which I mean, look, if you're young, you're. I I never knew they were in Canada when I was super young. It wasn't until I was a teenager I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they, these are all Canadian actors. This is Montreal. So, uh, yeah, they go back to the funhouse, and Josh ends up going in. It's a pre- pretty creepy funhouse. You know, you got the Frankenstein, the eyes lighting up. Yeah, the you mirror. Have a, the mirror at oh you get a you get a quick uh uh i guess an alt zebo it's like a a different version of zebo that just randomly appears I yeah think very it's in horror movie-esque scene with him walking yeah. through the funhouse and he's terrified but he's trying to pretend that he's a brave kid tough guy Thinks he's tougher than he is. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um, who's the great basketball comparison that thinks he's tougher than he actually is? Fake tough guys. I would say like he's like the Memphis Grizzlies of the <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like just the the fakest yeah. tough guy ever. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Dylan Brooks. <laughs> he is Dylan Brooks. That would be the Dylan Brooks move to do exactly what he did. Yeah. So, like you said, he steals he steals the nose. Yeah, so he ends up stealing the nose. Does a dance. And, yep, yep, is, is a little shit about it. Pretty insufferable, even for the audience. Yeah, I wanted him uh, to die. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's got, he's got Ouija wearing the nose and whatnot. Then uh, it's it cuts to like later in the night, where uh, you know he looks at a note his parents left. It's like, oh, and, we're out for the evening. Uh, there's dinner in the fridge. I love the line too. Dessert. Just this is sorry to interrupt you, but I just have to point out like this great writing. I know, writing. I know. Yeah, the yeah, the, yeah. the 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 note it says, I, I we know that you forgot. Or we know that you don't care, but we're at like a play, and he he does like the yep you're right I don't care, and it's just like it's such a great little like piece of writing just to like make sure we know that he's a little like piece of asshole you know he's a little shit fucker. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, I really enjoy like the little moments like that where they just hammer that home. But anyways, go. And he's he's consistently yeah, smelling no. cigar smoke, by the way. Like everywhere he turns, he's like, cigar? Why does it smell like cigars here? But then he goes about his day and he gets back to his house, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that line, too. I meant to point that out. I'm glad he did. And, yeah, he starts making dinner. Uh, phone rings, picks it up. It's Ouija. He's like, Ouija, what's up, man? He's like, I'm sorry, man. I, I was, I guess I was being a baby. Meanwhile, he wasn't. It was really Josh who was just being an ass this whole time. And we just like, uh, I'll only wear, uh, or like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been like overreacting. And then Josh is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll only you could do it for a day. For a day. Yeah, instead of a week. like, oh, I, I thought you'd, I thought you'd just forget it. He's like, no way, man. Yeah, no, he says, you're dreaming, pal. And he does like Mm -hmm. that little, like, little, dickhead laugh that he always does and then hangs up on him he's like you're dreaming pal yeah you're wearing that nose tomorrow click if i was ouija i'd be like i hate this guy god damn it fucking Mm -hmm. stupid josh and how great did that pudding look that josh pulls like the biggest bowl of pudding chocolate pudding in the world out of the fridge and my my mouth was watering oh man was my mouth watering I would go face oh deep into that thing. Just no no spoon. Just head directly <laughs> into the bowl. That did look really good. I haven't had like some good pudding in a while. Yeah, yeah I guess that's a th- I think that's hungry. a thing in Canada, right? Like the like the big bowls of pudding like that. Like that's that's I think it's Canadian because I've never seen anyone with a giant bowl of chocolate pudding. Like I only see like the little jello cups. That's right. Yeah, but it must have been like homemade or something like that. Oh you man, did that the, look so the good? The powder stuff. Yeah, it did look look delicious. So he's cooking food again. The phone rings a second time. He thinks it's Ouija, and then he just hears on the other line, "Give it back! Give it back!" Oh, it's a really good Zebo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and as the audience were like, "Oh my God, it's Zebo!" And Josh is like, "Oh my God, was it?" He he hangs up the phone or whatever, and then walks in the kitchen. Is isn't there like cigars? Yeah, he so he opens up the microwave now. where he put it. Yeah. He put his food in the microwave. He pops it open. He's like, "Cigar? Why does that smell like cigar?" And like the smoke like disappears. Like it's all smoky because it burned. He's like, "Why does this cook so fast?" And he looks, and it's just a big bowl of burnt cigars. And that's when he screams and runs upstairs. <laughs> and and there's a Z in the pudding. Yeah, the Z in the pudding. Yeah, uh, or I actually wrote spe- that down. Yeah, he spills the pudding on the ground. Yep. And then or, it, I think just that... so just so the audience knows for sure the the cigars in the bowl weren't enough. We had to have him run by the Z in the pudding, but which very like 
that was a little like ham fisted for even for me i was like come on like this i get it with the cigars i don't need the z in the pudding but yeah i guess they, it's they, it's, they could it's have just funny. left it yeah yeah they could have left that alone that was that was too much that's probably my only mm-hmm. critique of the whole episode but um yeah he runs upstairs and then it's a really good like horror movie scene with him in his bedroom like very classical like classical but also like modern horror type scene with like the you know the slow zoom from like the angle of zebo at the door to like uh josh hiding behind the bed he he calls um ouija to like in like the classic like you're pranking me dude and ouija's like no like we only have one phone dude like or no he's like no i'm not pranking you and then zebo talks and he thinks that it's his sister he think josh thinks it's ouija's sister but He's like, no, nope, we only have one phone. Who is that? Uh, and before then, the days of cell phones. Yeah, exactly. Landlines. Yeah. And then led for some good moments like that. And then um, you can take over. Yeah. So then he goes to his door, which is the doorknob shaking. He's freaked out. Like, what's going on? And then there's a balloon that just appears underneath his door it starts blowing up it blows up all the way somehow ties itself and and starts floating up yeah and has and a note. on the balloon it says give it back and very like that was like a direct homage to it like that that mm-hmm. was that was I think even directly pulled from it. I think there's a scene in it with that, uh, the TV series, not the movies, with that specific type of scene. Yeah, super creepy. Uh, and Really and... good. Probably the best s- scene of the episode. Uh, other than, like, the smoke coming out, like, I love when that smoke is billowing from, like, behind the corner you know like he's behind the house you you don't see him, zebo you just see the smoke like i i like all those shots but this balloon one was particularly good too really good it's just perfect nightmare fuel for kids yeah yeah that's Amazing. yeah that's the right way to put it like maybe it's yeah. not like the scariest thing in the world for us now but k- kids watching it it's like even more terrifying than like the scariest stuff is for us. So it, it really works well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Josh is like, screw this. I'm out of here. He jumps out the second story of his window, even though it's the, the it, we see him on his balcony and then it just cuts to a pool, like floaty toy that's on the grass and it's clearly just a shot of like him lightly jumping on it. It doesn't match with him jumping off of the second story of his house. And we're just like, okay, whatever. It's it also the the shot of it. It stays on that floaty thing. I thought it was. I thought it was going to come to life. Yeah, I thought it was coming to life. I, yeah, I, I was expecting it, like a Langoliers type, like that thing's just going to like come alive and like take a bite at him or something you know like something cool like that that would have been fucking sweet yeah i i always remembered that pool toy when seeing the reruns because they just stay on the shot for a while and it's like okay what was something gonna happen with this nope we're we're cutting to the next scene so that 
Josh is back at the carnival and wants to return the comes, nose. Comes to his senses, returns the nose. Uh, by the way, do you remember? So, well, we didn't really describe the the room that you find Zebo in. So it's like the last room of the haunted house, the fun house exhibit, and there's all these doors with numbers on them. And if you 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 pick the wrong door, then Zebo a Zebo it's it's like a dummy. It'll just like start pop out, like, yeah, popping out towards you, yeah. And do you remember what number uh, Zebo's door was? I think Zebo was four, right? It was, was six. It six. Six. Yeah. Six. Four was the exit. Six. I think it was. Yeah. And then there was one other door that he opens that's just like a skeleton head, like popping. Yeah. It's like okay. It was so, so he silly. returns the nose. Yeah. Hilarious. Turns the nose and gives him cigars. Yeah, a box of Stokes. He whipped, he pulled right into Seven Eleven on the way to the the car the the carnival and picked up a box of cigars as a thirteen year old kid. <laughs> I don't know what the Canadian tobacco laws are like, but I'm pretty sure unless he stole that from his old man, he's not coming out of that store with a box of Stogies. Yeah, they don't they don't say where he got the cigars. No, Never but it's explained. a it's a peace he, offering to Zebo because he likes to, cigars. Yeah. So it was smart, smart move. It probably saved his life. Yeah, yeah, good move. Robbing a bodega. That'd be great if they had like the the cops follow him in there. Like, yeah, hey, it's him. Yeah, it'd be it's great Josh. if it turned into like Good Time with Robert Pattinson. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I have where... not. Oh, that movie but, is fucking awesome. Where he's just like stealing I, stuff, and he runs into a, like a carnival and like hides out in the carnival. But it's like Zebo's <laughs> exhibit. The that's like a cool little like alternate version of Good Time, where yeah. Pattinson and those guys end up in the Zebo Funhouse instead of just like that like random Funhouse. But anyways, so yeah, he Josh gets away. Yeah, gets away. Returns the nose. And... Zebo's cool with it. Basically, just laughs it off, which I had a problem yeah. with. Uh, if this show really wanted to go there, I know they probably had, would have pushback from Nickelodeon, but I would have loved a twist ending, like a not twist ending, but like a dark ending. Maybe I'm just like a black soul, so like I don't. I always like the darker, like, um, more like noir type endings. Um, but I would have loved if like Josh just disappeared. Like they don't even have to kill him, but like if Zebo just like pulls him in, you know, like pulls him into the room and then it, like cuts back to the narration. It's like, yeah, and Josh was never to be found again. <laughs> like that would be oh so much better God. than him. Just like if, if they, th- that would have been going there. I would have been all over that when I was a kid, oh like him, God. him getting away was very like after school, especially like, Oh, like make sure you return. Like, what you steal and like even like the scariest of monsters will forgive you you know like that part like kind of dings its rating for me which we'll get to later yeah oh my god i can only imagine like all the parents that would be calling nickelodeon 
Wouldn't that be great <laughs> like, though? Wouldn't that have been so ballsy? Yeah, and the do- the door just closes. Yeah, like it, it pulls like he in, just gets just pulled closes. in and the door closes and then it cuts back to like the midnight society. That would have been fucking sick. The, like the, the oh man, that would have been so sick. If we ever do um interview DJ Mikhail, I I really want to bring that up and tell him that he missed a huge opportunity to just take that other road and we we would have been off and running. There are some twist endings in the show. I remember where it's like darker endings, but yeah, there are this, some dark endings. Yeah. This this one was a little light. Like it was very like this is our second episode. We don't want to be canceled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't want to go there just yet. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not at that point, which is a bummer because that would have been an iconic, iconic ending. Yeah, that would have. Ter- that would have. Like, kids already had nightmares from these. Like, kids would have been in therapy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that would yeah. have been really, really great. But it's, yeah, it's it's frustrating that, like, they they can't go there. Like, I know it's a kid's show, but that would have put this over the top for me. Because, one, I hate mm-hmm. Josh. He's a little douchebag, so it would have been amazing. I would have laughed. But it also would have set the tone for the rest of the show where anything can happen. Right. Yeah, they've they could have definitely gone there. It's too bad. The actor who played Josh, Christian Tessier, he's done some other things. I uh, it says he's in the day after tomorrow. Yep. I've tr- I've tried to look this up. I cannot find him in that movie anywhere. I don't so... remember him specifically in that, but I was going by age. And I assumed maybe he was one of the guys with um, that he was in that like Alaska, not Alaska, like Newfoundland or wherever they were, like that far north, like safe house where like they're like the storm chasers, like Dennis Quaid's crew. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it like was that like Brian Cox? Was that him? No, it wasn't Brian Cox. It was some other old guy. Ian Holm. Ian Holm. Yep. Ian Holm and um, some other guys. Like maybe he was that guy, but like I I couldn't picture him either. Yeah, there's there's actually a ton of Are You Afraid of the Dark people in that movie because they filmed all the New York scenes in Canada. A lot of that was filmed in Canada. Yeah, the tall kid. Um, I forget his name. I remember him though. He was in a ton of stuff back in the day. The one that they yeah. stay at is that Jake Gyllenhaal and his crew stay at his like apartment, and then he leaves to go find his brother oh. or whatever, like the competitor. Yes, Pretty sure yes, he was on I an know. episode. I know who you mean. But yep. also, this guy Christian Tessier, he did uh, say cheese and die. Yes, which is one of the so, best Goosebumps episodes. That and Ryan Gosling's in that episode, I believe. Oh, really? I don't remember Ryan Gosling, and I I don't remember that like. The specifics think... of the episode, I just, I was like, oh, wow, he's in Say Cheese and Die. Like, I remember that being something that was really important to me. So that, that so when we get further in the series, there's actually uh, a Goosebumps episode that's very that has a very similar plot to, like, a camera taking pictures and bad things, bad things happen. And, um, and there's, like, there's a lot of the same actor. It's it's very a lot of crossover, and it was released a couple of years later, so it's like very really crossed over. Like, and it might have even taken its lane a little bit. 
actually, now I'm going to check his IMDb really quick. Because I think he was also in the Are You Afraid of the Dark version of that. Um, he just did both. <laughs> he was the friend. He's a, he, he I, is I know in he's both. the friend. Wow, he's, he's in, both? in both. That's crazy. That's 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 insane. So it's really that's yeah, so it's weird. strange. So there's a Goosebumps version called the Curious Camera, and then no, it's say there's... cheese and die. Well, well, oh yeah. So yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah, just the, the book. Goose... That's the book. No, no. The the um, there's Goosebumps, say cheese and die, and then the Are You Afraid of the Dark version that's similar to it is called the Tale of the Curious Camera. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. He's he's in both of them, and he plays oh, a similar character. That was kind of a misfire. That was right. Yeah, that's kind of kind of dumb. Like yeah. they couldn't they couldn't just like coagulate there and figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of strange. But and he was also in this really strange show that I didn't know the name of it for years. It was called the Tomorrow People. Another Canadian show. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't but, know that one. Yeah. So, it took it took me forever to, like, find out about the show. Because I remember Nick, Nickelodeon, they didn't really have original shows back in the early 90s. They would kind of borrow, like, from other channels or, you know, older shows and whatnot. They had, like, Looney Tunes. They yeah. had Gumby at one point, Alvin and the Chipmunks. But then there was this show called The Tomorrow People, which uh, uh, they would show previews of it. And it was basically like this rock, these rocks that they would find in the water, like from space. And the rocks would open up and then this green light would just like go right into people's faces and like turn them into aliens. And I, I remember seeing the preview for that for years and then not having any idea what it was and finding out later it was this show called the tomorrow people but he uh christian tessier was the star of that show wow so, so he had a decent career he was in shattered glass and battlefield earth and... oh he was in shattered glass yeah oh, so he, okay. he had like a pretty like decent kind of career like probably like minor characters and all these because i don't remember him in any of them like I've seen Shattered Glass a couple times, and I don't remember him at all. But, um, yeah, very, like, sort of successful career as, like, uh, you know, a star of, like, weird shows or weird episodes or, uh, like, a minor character in movies. So, Do, Do you know they made a sequel to Angels in the Outfield called Angels in the End Zone? I did not, but I'm definitely going to watch that tonight. <laughs> He's in it. Oh, of course he is. And Angels in the He's Outfield the bully. is fantastic. Of course, yeah, he's always the bully, isn't he? He's like always kind of the dick. He's a classic bully. I remember being at Kathy and Dick's house watching Angels in the End Zone in the 90s and seeing Angels this. Angels in the End Zone. And... And it's, it's funny. It's it's uh so it's uh the little kid from Seventh Heaven, the blonde hair kid. Mm. Um, he he's the Joseph Gordon Levitt in the sequel. Christopher Lloyd comes back, and then his brother is Matthew Lawrence, the middle Lawrence kid. That's in Boy Meets World. 
Wow. Yeah. So it, it, his brother's like a football star, and the, he starts hanging out with the wrong crowd, which is Christian Tessier. But I remember watching this as a kid and being like, that's the guy from, from Laughing in the Dark. Man, so he did, yeah, he did well. He did well for himself. Yeah, he did all right. Probably made a couple thousand bucks. Good for him. <laughs> he got paid scale, maybe. <laughs> he, he probably wasn't even unionized. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, he, he did some stuff. Uh, I don't know about Ouija and Kathy. I don't recognize no, them. No, I couldn't I find anything, them anything on them. Else. Yeah. And then, of course, Aaron Tagger is in this episode. He actually did the Zebo voice, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, it makes sense. It, and he mm-hmm. he had that great quote at the end where when, uh, Josh runs away. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. that, like, the carnival was going on. Like, it was like people were there. Right. When he did that. I thought it was like after hours, but I guess that makes sense. Um also very ballsy of him to do that. Like he, he went right in. Like I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't do that to be honest. But uh anyways. So it cuts to the uh carnival guy, the owner of the funhouse, and he does the the most fun in the park when you're laughing in the dark and then does yeah, his maniacal classic. laugh and then the episode ends. It's just really good like ending line you know with the mm-hmm. with the crazy laugh and just we're having we're having fun we're having lighthearted fun good quotes that was like my main takeaway from this episode like that last scene really like like i i was frustrated with like a lot of the stuff that like could have been in this episode but like in the end it was enjoyable yeah and i guess uh aaron tagger who played the carnival barker as well as dr vink uh I I found a pot. He passed away in 2019, but I found an old podcast or an interview. It was kind of an awkward interview, tough to watch. But uh, he was asked a bunch of "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" questions, and when asked about uh, laughing in the dark, he said that DJ McHale was actually freaked out by clowns. And at at one point, uh, I guess Aaron scared him by like talking as Zebo, like like right in his ear and scaring the the shit out of him, basically. But I thought that was a little cool tidbit. Yeah, that's that's that makes sense. That like he would be afraid of you know clowns. He like he doesn't. He seems more of like uh, he's not a like a bro- it doesn't seem like a brooding intense like uh like who's a good like like i've already mentioned stanley kubrick but like someone with like a dark sensibility like he seems very like light and fun and scared of stuff mm-hmm. and it it works for the writing of the show definitely does yeah so what would you rate this one you, it sounds like there's there's some things you would have done differently so yeah, is, I actually this one? I flip-flopped on this one. So, after rewatching it, I kind of adjusted myself. Like I more noticed the stuff that I didn't love as like not that I didn't love, but just directions that it could have gone. Like I think it had an opportunity to get weird and dark and like set the tone for the rest of the series and I still think it's a very quality episode. So the scary scenes are great. 
the um the kids are good enough like you know josh is obviously super annoying but he's good enough as a bully type that you want mm-hmm. to die so I'd, I'd give it um just based on like the Carney and Zebo being such good characters, I'd I would still get I would give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven, which I know might be kinda low. I was gonna give it an eight, and I thought I would have it at eight, but after the rewatch I was like I think I prefer Phantom Cab to this, actually. As weird as that sounds. So oh, I, I'm giving wow. it a seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Throwing a little curveball well, at you. Yeah, I know I know this Phantom Cab's probably a little more technically well done. Although, eh, there were some cool shots in this one. I uh, I have to use one of my 10s for this. Just oh, wow. Of, just because of I remember seeing this episode multiple times growing yeah. up. And I still think some of it holds up. Zebo's just an iconic, creepy character. And... Yeah, it. I just. It's. It's one of those. Those ones I remember airing frequently, and I think. Uh, yeah, they do some cool creative stuff with it. I like the balloon thing. The, the whole sequence at the house, creepy as hell. Even yep. even seeing that quick shot of like the, alt. It's like the alternate the human Zeebo. form of Zebo. Yeah. yeah. That was good. That was like, probably that was actually my briefly. favorite part. I think, yeah, yeah. So, I think, yeah, it's, it's no. That's that's it's, I, that's fair. For like me. it, it probably should be like an eight or a nine for me, but I just like I have to ding it to. I think I would I'm dingy. I'm technically dingy a point and a half for not giving me the satisfactory ending that I wished on it. Like it's still a great episode um there's nothing wrong with the ending it works for a kid show but i just found it to be a missed opportunity so i have to ding at the points yeah yeah i uh it's just iconic for me yeah it definitely I, I iconic. Remember and, D- and when i when we talked about this this was one of the episodes i remembered so like obviously right it's very like a lot of childhood memories from watching this show. A lot of it like came back to me. I remember the smoke, the microwave, like the everything about like the fun house. But um and I guess it remains to be seen, like maybe down the line after three seasons of this, I might recalibrate a little bit and be like, I didn't appreciate that one as much. But for now, like just off the cuff, like if I had to just life or death choose a number, I would definitely pick seven. Yeah. All right. Well, still, still, a couple solid episodes off the bat. We got got a lot more to cover for sure. A lot but, more to cover. Yeah. But good start for sure. And. uh Let's see. What's our next step? Is it the lon- oh, yeah, you lonely probably, like, ghost? What are the next I think two? It's the lonely ghost, lonely ghost, and hungry hounds. I think it might be. Yeah, or no, it's the lonely ghost and twisted claw. Twisted claw is a good one. Yeah, I'm excited to do those. Yeah. 
that that'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited to see how our ratings shape out. I think that'll be cool. Like, I hope that we disagree on a lot. That'd be great. Yeah, I, th- I think we we may. We'll see. I'm looking at all of the season one episodes. All of them are pretty solid, actually. Yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be there's a, a run. Couple, there's a couple that are bad, um, but most of them are good. Well, I, I might surprise you. I might surprise you with some eights and some nines for stuff that you might have is like four or five. So we'll see. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Check it out. I've been waiting, playing for a long time. X amount of thoughts carried out in my mind. I turn on the TV to see crime. Script written diligently, then end on time. Push the power button, now to the power sudden. Opened up my fridge and found nothing. Dipped to my room with an aura of gloom. Wishing I could write another tune. But my hands are paralyzed, plus my eyes. Wanna shed tears, but it's not possible there's the burden of things I couldn't Dealt with properly, remorse follows me With this good friend, the threat of poverty Here's where I am, versus where I think I ought to be There's a certain chance I'm a victim of circumstance I take a look at myself in that first glance I see who I recently thought to be me Based on identities, public and private Behold the radio pirate, the nigga, the felon Chillin' with the gun to your melon A pimp with his pocket swelling A jester, a slave with wounds that fester The wannabe pre-med, pre-dread An academic reject, open the D-tag Why we wreck what God gave Human laws all day, if you go to war Come back and come up with more I'm kind, friendly, your worst enemy Charming, crass, and potentially dangerous Have you ever heard of such? I'm invisible and impossible to touch Another's perspective, corrective lenses are something that I wear so I can see the globe real clear. Look, there's famine over there, plus your families in fear of disease and the stress that lingers in the air. These are the words of a man in purgatory, words of a simpleton living in oblivion. Is this the model for life you will envision in free as can be in the world of imprisonment? I dare you to check new territory, American dream, time for another story. One where I don't choke to keep afloat. I'm sick of living off.
magnet. Why they leap? Stuck in the late night app. Cam's not so hot that everyone should be sweating. Yet nobody's smiling. Plus crews are piling. Stare, thinking what they look like wearing. My gear, aside when the yellow cab did. He sped up because dreads made him think I'd pick him. Now I gotta dodge thugs like I'm playing chicken. An Englishman, an Irishman, five or ten Caucasians pass me. Yeah. Huh? 
here we come, it's the California kid, a rugged raw rhyme spitter, certified real nigga, cooling in Cali like mugs in the blizzard, you, yesterday's news like Tommy Hill figure on the cover of rap pages, rap is so primitive, we back to the black ages, should I say it's dark, invaded by these marks, buses and herbs, getting just what they deserve when I thrust these verbs, so weigh your life when I slay this mic, you couldn't see me like Cena, whether day or night, hype, it's not an issue, I still get Quarters of I ain't afraid to diss you. Complex Napoleon Dynamite. Drama like you looking at your wrist. Trying to find if the time is right. That means checking y'all. Now inspect these bars. At the end of the day, that won't respect. That's all. Yeah. One gets the warmed up. Two gets it started. Handicap your camp with kids retarded. Ninjas in the party disguised as trash dummies. Walked out, bossed out. With more, more money. It's time for change like quarters on the clock. My fingers got minutes calling the shots. Big kids make moves, you can get rocked like mountain climbers Avalanche dancing, tumble on the earth, survival, no chances Whatever the season, my thoughts rain there like gorilla monsoons Rudolph, Vixen, and Prancer Spit it with you, but 50 that I took you, you bastards Bow and arrows versus rifles, I'm both Either way, I'm making hits with eyes closed Silly cat shooting Billy Blanks, my top Flow's been psycho ever since high school Falls down, God be 
calling on me I told my girl I fixed the holes in our roof Then the storm came down and exposed the truth So many obstacles to face in this game It's like, deal with the shit or drink away the pain It seems like, I'ma stay in clouds of weed smoke till death Cause my mother left this world and I ain't been right yet Man, I ain't seen sun or beans in weeks In the summertime of California live in Venice Beach It's mostly been on some dark clouds and rainy days It's cold nights and hard pounding heavily After all this, financial problems minuscule And you can overcome and you can do anything I need a new cat for this dark cloud to follow That's why that's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow Into the room, they knew this kid was disturbed. Mental hospital, they said I haven't lost it though. You don't look that bad, go ahead, you only half mad. Open the curtain, then I hopped out the bed. I guess I'm allowed to walk the streets with awful thoughts in my head. Now it's just me against the world, got my dogs and my girls, got my shotgun and my clock, got my friends to keep it thorough. Plus, my family understand me, got a lust for wealth. Don't trip if I don't trust you, I don't trust myself. Associates and friends of mine are dropping like flies from getting shot, by getting caught up or not, and getting high. I've been with girls that had suicidal silhouettes. Me, I choose a nice slow death from smoking cigarettes. I'll figure it out. These dark clouds are hanging. 